The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films. And that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) I'm Dude Two, Joe. Hi. Howdy. What's up? Do you want to die tonight? Do do. It doesn't sound like my, my idea of a Saturday night. Uh, especially we're recording this on April Fool's Day. You're not hearing this show. <laughs> October. Yeah, we're jumping the gun on this. This is our okay. This is our third episode in our Halloween celebration. Happy Halloween, everybody! Even though it is April for us, we're we're literally. So far ahead, <laughs> but listen, uh, listen I I fun. celebrate Halloween all year long. I mean, you're that meme. I'm I'm that guy. <laughs> you're that you're that meme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? Same. So, <laughs> Halloween Halloween doesn't end when October ends. It doesn't even start when October starts. It just starts when we want it to. We are both wearing costumes, even though we're not. But we could be. <laughs> Well, I'm dressed. I'm dressed as um, myself. <laughs> Joey put on his his Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera mask. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I should be talking because even in the silent version of it, it's not the Chaney's Phantom that's talking because they legally couldn't use Chaney's Chaney's voice in that version. <laughs> so they had some other guy <sighs> sing uh, once again for me, Joey. Strange duet. <laughs> Our, my power over you grows stronger grows stronger yet, yet. Oh, and though, it's crazy it's so it's crazy great minds um, synergy this, anyway the synergy yeah <laughs> the synergy um welcome to the show everybody yeah this is um as as we remember as it should be our third episode like i said in our ha- halloween extravaganza of 2023 um and uh hope you guys if you haven't listened to the previous ones which i believe should be uh, dracula frankenstein a whole chucky episode which i'm very excited uh to actually get to and we did our special presentation on i'm i'm cementing all of this so we have to do it as i'm saying all this. This, could be ve- <laughs> this could be very dated um uh, oh, the uh then we have our we did our friday the 13th special presentation for you guys so hopefully you guys enjoyed all of those if you haven't check them out uh, celebrate Halloween along with us, but now this and this is probably why we're doing this so early because 
a uh the recent movie in this franchise just came out and i've been thinking about i this this franchise i'm obsessed with there's no question about it joey knows this uh our good friend wikey a friend of the show is also very as as obsessed with the series as i am uh shout out to wikey on that um but this this episode in many respects sort of is mirroring um when we did our matrix uh, episodes because uh we watched the first matrix movie and i was and then uh the the newest one resurrections was coming out and uh joey and i watched it and joey was like this is really good because it's a big middle finger to the studio system he he said it in that exact voice it was really weird and uh it sounded like randy <laughs> <laughs> fuck you that's what Randy would say to me if he was hearing this right now. Hi, Randy. Hi, Randy. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, after after that came out, I was like, "We should. We should, would you want to do like a, a Matrix sequels episode?" And he was like, "Sure." So we did that. Um, go check those out, by the way. Um, but uh, this was even more exciting because was this was this last year that we talked about the first Scream movie? Uh, let me double check real quick because I have the schedule right in front of me. <laughs> oh my gosh, it just jumped all over. Um, no, Scream actually we talked about in 2021. 2021? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, 2021, we did an episode with, with our good friend Wikey talking about the first Scream movie. Um, and Joey, and I didn't get to watch it with Joey, sadly, because I remember that, because I remember being so devastated, because I wanted to, re- I wanted to watch it with him. Yeah, that's one, um, just the timing was terrible. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I, that, I, I was a, gr- I wish we watched it together, too, but. Was yeah. the, the big, the, the big, uh. The big thing was that you ended up loving it, like oh, like fantastic. to the, like to the like to the point where like you were like this movie is amazing, and I was like, oh, I wish I could have experienced that, but you know it is what it is. Uh, but the fact that he said he loved the movie, I've been dying for this episode to take place where we talk about uh, the sequels. So that's what we're doing in this episode for you guys. We're going to be talking Scream Two, Scream Three, we're talking Scream Four. However. We won't be talking about the Radio Silence uh, directed Scream uh, legacy sequels that have been coming out yet, but um, we might do another episode covering those much later, but right now we're focusing on the films that were directed by uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Wes Craven, who also makes his return to the show. But before we get into any of that, this uh, this normally happens a lot sooner, (laughs) but before we get into any of that... Do to Joe, how you doing? On this April Fool's Day on Halloween. <laughs> well, April Fool's Day, you know. Um, there weren't, April weren't, Fools. weren't too many like pranks that like pissed me off today, which was nice, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, but I actually had a pretty relatively chill day, actually, because I watched three new movies I never seen. Th- new to me movies, I should say. Three new to me movies. I, I know two seen. of them. What was the f- what was I? What was the first one? The first one. I don't remember. What, so I got this box set from Mill Creek um, Thrillers from the Vault. It has a lot of Boris Karloff movies, as you know. Oh, I, so okay. I remember now. I'm going to talk about um, the Boogeyman Will Get You. Now, this movie has Boris Karloff. It's got Peter Laurie and the what base, a pair. 
what a pairing. And this the basic gist of this movie is like Boris Karloff is behind on his mortgage on his <laughs> in this very colonial style house that he owns. But in this house, mm-hmm. he does also does experiments, and he's been hiding a bunch of dead bodies. But the thing is, he he's not like a sinister guy. He's like really kind of goofy in this movie. Like it's a really <laughs> silly Karloff performance, and Peter Laurie is just like wagging his finger at him. He's like, "You shouldn't be doing this." But then they you team shouldn't up. be doing this, Karloff. They, but they team up. But then it turns out, um, you know, somebody bought uh, the house from P- Karloff, so Karloff can finally pay off the mortgage. And Karlov's also able to like conduct his experiments there, <laughs> and this the, per- the woman who bought the place um, is trying to make it to, like a hotel, like a nice like hotel. Oh, oh! Uh, and <laughs> oh, shenanigans no. ensue. Like what I love about this movie, because there's a, it reminds me of another movie that is Karloff and Laurie related called Arsenic and Old Lace, which oh I, yeah, Karloff isn't in, but he was in the stage play of it, and Peter Laurie was in the movie. And it's kind of very similar vibe where there's like it's like a like some sinister things going on, but it's also like a, it's a comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually think I kind of it, it, this movie doesn't have the best reputation, but I think I like this more because I feel like everybody was on the same wavelength. Like I said in my review, even the generic like normally like straight guy of this movie yeah. is really goofy. And like, there's a lady who wants to build like a chicken coop or some shit. There's a guy who got like pigs. And there's, there's a, sale- a whole farm. There's a salesman guy. Well, I'd be able to do arithmetic like the kids. <laughs> and then no, Rich- and I don't even spoil like the the wildest thing that happens at the end of this movie because it's just like what. It makes sense because the time period of the movie, but it's also just like comes out of nowhere. You're but, like, huh? Uh, huh? I, it, it was like, it was like when the movie started, I'm like, okay, how am I, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And by the end, I'm just like, this is a new favorite. This is like, the, you're just having a good time. I'm like, this is a ball. <laughs> the, and, but, the, <laughs> but the amazing thing is like the title, it sounds so sinister. Like the boogeyman will get you. <laughs> and yet it's just goofy as hell. Like the other movies in the set are completely different. Like they're played st- more straight and they're like mm. really dark movies and then this but one this one this one's really funny like it's so so there's always see, there's always one hidden gem but and boris karloff <laughs> is like it's so funny to see him like scared <laughs> which i don't i've never seen well no when he's when fire shows up right but i mean I, like, but i mean like as like a normal person where he's just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> what you know um so where are your chickens that. going madam <laughs> We don't allow pigs in our hotel. Just dead bodies. One of my fa- other favorite lines is like, doesn't anybody do anything in this town? Oh, yes, they vote once a year. <laughs> nice. It's okay. um, amazing, amazing. But and the other thing, because I've been on a David Lynch kick lately, mm-hmm. and this was a significant blind splot, uh, not splot, spot, blind spot. <laughs> blind spot. Are you okay? <laughs> um... <laughs> A blind whoa, so, a blind past spot. Past tense of splat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> splat. Yes. Uh, look it up. It's in the dictionary. I swear. Um, <laughs> I, I cross a major blind spot that has been in my shelf for a while, but I just haven't had because it's like a two and a half hour movie, and it's like right, all right. And this movie is um, also it was in the re- the sight and sound poll. It's in the top ten 
uh, one of the top 10 greatest movies of all time. This is David Lynch's Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely, you know, people know this movie. Um, it makes sense. It it's it, it is pretty great, and you know you think you think about a lot about things, a lot a lot of different things. Not everything is answered, and it's like that's okay. And the other wild thing about it too was that at one point it was supposed to be like a weird, like t- almost Twin Peaks like spinoff, like they were gonna make it mm-hmm. into like a TV pilot at one point, right? Uh, and that didn't work out, but um, yeah, it was it's really um. I really, I really, really enjoyed it. it. As far as like the regular like David Lynch like feature films, it might be my favorite I, that I've seen. I've heard, I've heard that one is like for a lot of people that I know that are big Lynch fans. I know Mulholland Drive is a big one, especially because because um, of the romance um, yeah. between um, uh, Naomi Watts, <laughs> Naomi Watts, and Laura Herring. Herring. Mm-hmm. Oh, hopefully, I right. said that right. <sighs> yeah um and it's it's on 4k from the criterion collection that's one i've been eyeballing admittedly so i need to i need to pick that one up i definitely think you should i'm gonna upgrade mine on the next sale i think because i've had the blu-ray for you know a couple of years now i guess um, which it should be coming up in a couple of months because it's april <laughs> it, it is april let me just make sure my mouse is so doesn't the doesn't the other sale come up in november so i guess technically <laughs> It, yeah, but you know it, <laughs> it kind of makes sense. But there's there's also there's also flash sales too. That's you know, true. That's true. Which uh, I bought a lot of stuff from the flash sale. <laughs> Man, I, I I passed on it this time, but I, I there's definitely stuff on my ball for sure. Um, but that that's basically, and I'm, we're going to talk about the third movie I watched today in as part of our main part mm-hmm. of our uh, discussion. Uh, but how you have a big story you have to tell, <laughs> so I'm going to let you discuss this as I take a sip of water. Okay. Um, what, it's funny, too, because normally I would talk about this in a recent episode, but this is a story that will not be heard until October. <laughs> so, cons- so consider this like a, a lost quote-unquote episode. This is a lost, a lost narrative, a lost tale. The lost tapes of of Richard Dude One. Uh, d- um, go back to David Lynch. Uh, it's like Twin Peaks, The Missing Pieces. These, mm, I, I, if I watched the rest of it, I'd get that reference. But anyway, <laughs> yes, if you want, Richard I do like to watch the rest of Twin Peaks. Please message us, barrage us with messages. <laughs> so for true, I, no I just choice. just message me specifically, and I'm just getting watch it, watch it, and it's just Joey saying watch it a bunch of times in different <laughs> fake accounts. I just created a bunch of bot accounts. They're all like <laughs> Twin Peaks characters. So it's, so it's just like uh, Dale Cooper, Harry Truman, Pete. <laughs> 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 and then the last one is from uh uh the the dead character like the Laura Palmer. Yes. <laughs> it's like watch it and I'm like okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hi Richard, this is the one-armed man. Please watch the peaks. No, it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. Uh, Hello, I am not David Lynch Watch it (laughs) Today is April 1st Saturday (laughs) It's Saturday once again Can can't believe it it. (laughs) If the horizon is on the bottom of the screen It is interesting (laughs) And then Wes Anderson said Fuck that Fuck that (laughs) 
watch the Astro City trailer, and you'll know what we're talking about. Uh, I can't Any- wait for that. But anyway, to go to your story. Anyway, so today uh, was a uh, it was a technically um, I should be at work. I should be coming home right about now because today I had a double shift scheduled at work at the bar, which. You know, is is a good and a bad thing. Bad thing being I have to be on my feet from 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. Good thing being I can get a lot of tips if I do Mm -hmm. well enough. Right. And so that usually helps, especially on busy weekends when we get, like, movies. Because I think we have Dungeons & Dragons playing right now, and that's doing relatively well. Or at least I've heard good things, so maybe that means it'll do relatively well, Um, box Mm office-wise. So uh, I get there... I get to my shift at noon and it's pretty busy and people are already working. I just opened up the bar. I haven't sold anything yet. Uh, I haven't done any cash transactions. I haven't uh, done sold any alcohol. I just spent the whole time helping everybody else and, you know, getting the lowdown on what was going on. And uh, basically, you know, I, I'm just roaming around the stand, seeing if anybody needs help and, you know, just do, just doing my job because I'm also a crew leader, which means I have some like leadership role, and like I'm one step below a manager, and then there's like the regular worker, so I have some authority and I have some responsibility, so I have to like make sure everyone's okay, especially when I have no customers. So um, I'm doing that, and periodically I'm looking outside because we have a big lobby, and then we have the front doors, and I'm looking outside, and I'm seeing it's getting severely windy. And it's getting a little bit intense. And the previous night, I remember we had a thunderstorm warning. So this is a whole thing, right? And so it's carrying over to the next day and it's getting like aggressively windy. Like I'm seeing a stop sign over at the Walmart across the parking lot and the stop sign's going (laughs) like it's, it's losing its mind. Basically, if it was a person, it'd be dead. Um, and I'm talking to one of my coworkers, and I'm saying to her, like, this reminds me of back in the day when uh, we had a big tornado warning one night, and uh, we were told to shut down the whole stand, and we had to go into the theaters and tell everybody, hey, we apologize, but we have to pause your movie because there's a tornado warning. Uh, we apologize if you guys want, uh, you know, a, a refund or if you guys want guest passes, we can provide that. But for the time being, if you're willing, if you want, you can sit and wait in the theater and your movie should start back up again, hopefully soon. Um, and it was a whole thing. And I was like, you know, we spent the next like 20 minutes just chilling, uh, in the, in the thing until we could, you know, start everything back up. And it was just a funny little thing I remembered. And then Almost immediately after, this was like 30 minutes into my shift, almost immediately after that happens, the power goes out. <laughs> it, and, and the way it went off was almost like in pieces. Yeah. So it almost looked like you saw the life being drained out of the building. It wasn't oh, wow. like an immediate poof. It wasn't like a poof. It was like a... So it was kind of unnerving to see it admittedly because you're just seeing different things shut off like it it was more or less simultaneous but it was all like going yeah so it was a little bit it was a little bit wild to see and then periodically it would flicker back on and then it would go back off or it would try to like one one thing was crazy seeing like the popcorn machines like slightly come back to life but then it would shut back down oh wow 
uh, or like the icy machine. You know those icy machines when they turn off, nothing good happens. We've learned this on this show. <laughs> Watch Nope, but you know what we're talking about. Jean Jacket coming to eat us. Uh, <laughs> a giant Stetson. <laughs> um, so the power goes off at 12.30, 12.45, somewhere around there. And so at that point, we're like, what do we do? Because... Uh, I mean, the best we can do it because like the movies aren't playing, we can't serve anything, we can't we can't really do anything. So obviously, and we have all these customers in in the building, who you know their movies are turned off and they're coming. Thankfully, it wasn't like a massive headache. There were a few people that were like, "Hey, you know, I, I was wondering if I can, you know, like is are the movies going to come back?" Like there were some people. There was one person trying to buy concession like after the power had been out for like ten minutes, and we were like dude <laughs> no <laughs> seriously um <laughs> really i don't mind I, cold popcorn just shut up <laughs> you shut up you shut your face you get out of here no Whoa, um you're in quite a predicament movie theater <laughs> we're quite a predicament. oh god uh, it was yeah it was, and the funny part was our regional manager was there seeing the movie, which I, it, well, the funny part was like, I saw my, the manager of my department at uh, that time was over there talking to him and I saw the silhouette and I was like, he's here <laughs> of all the people to be here today. Yeah. The regional manager's here. <laughs> uh, but he was, he, he, he was nice and he came over and he's like, you guys handled it well. And I was like, and I told him that story of like. You know, I was telling, I was reminiscing, and then the power went out. So I was like, "If it was my fault, I'm sorry." <laughs> so, my bad. <laughs> but um, basically, at that point, we were just trying to figure out what to do, and then they were like, "I guess we could just stock and clean things because that's the only thing we can do." But we have no power, and we were being told that possibly this was around what this was around like maybe closer to one o'clock because the power had been out a significant amount of time. And we were told that possibly from other people whose powers went out that the power might not come back on till 4.30. And that was a bit of an unfortunate thing to hear because obviously that's the whole morning shift. And I'm bummed because I have to be there all day. So I, I have no idea what, what the plan is. I just know I, I have to be there all day. And I'm like, I don't want to be here if I'm not doing anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. If I, I don't, if I'm not getting tipped and I'm not, I, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, so just pay me for whatever hours I'm actually here and we can call it a day. Yeah. Um, that's fair. But, uh, uh, four thirty rolls around. So the power's still out at this point. We've cleaned and stocked everything. And all, all we're doing at this point is just sitting around. We're sitting in the lobby, uh, we pulled chairs from the party from the birthday party room and just sat in the chairs. Uh, there's quite literally nothing we can do at this point, and the power hadn't come back on. So, for so basically that whole morning shift, the power wasn't on. Then the night crew starts coming in, and I'm just like I'm just like losing my mind. And every time I see I see one of them, I'm like, hey, welcome to the power outage party. <laughs> hey guys, the power's out. Come on in. <laughs> And then, like, um, for the rest of that time, all the ushers and manage and some of the managers were standing out in the parking lot and letting people know that we're coming up to see a movie. Hey, I'm sorry, but uh, we can't. We're not. Power's out right now, so we can't sell anything. We'll get you a refund on your tickets if you bought them online or if you're, you know, if you're 
if you pre-bought or pre pre-ordered your tickets then we can do that mm-hmm. um one of my old co-workers came in to see a movie with her boyfriend and i i came out and i was like yeah the power's been out since 12 30 and it's 3 three thirty-five now <laughs> so she's like god damn it like i know it's okay i'm sorry um but it was nice to see her though um and then uh like it it was a whole thing and then the night crew comes in the power's still not coming on um and basically we're being told by our general manager who's not there at the time um but he's telling uh we're trying to keep in contact with him and he's telling us um if the power doesn't come back on by at least seven o'clock then we'll just cancel the rest of the shows because we already canceled all the way up to six fifteen. so if we cancel the rest so if we cancel all those shows and nothing comes back on at seven o'clock then we're you know it is what it is so everyone can just go home and we'll we'll just work it out that way then seven o'clock rolls it's getting about 6 50 ish and seven o'clock's about to roll around power's still not coming back on we literally have nothing to do we're all people are like falling asleep in the lobby like co-workers are just like i am so tired right now <laughs> and i was kind of a i was kind of that dick and every time someone complained i was like i've been here since noon <laughs> And I have justification in that, but I also understand I was being annoying, but I also was hoping maybe that would lead to me leaving early, which it did, thankfully. Um, Shout out to Caitlin for letting me go early. (laughs) Also, Caitlin, I love you. Um, Not for that reason, but Caitlin's awesome. Um, But uh, (laughs) uh, basically, literally all of us were just sitting around doing nothing, just trying to pass the time, maybe cleaning some things here and there. And seven o'clock rolls around and we're being told that we're actually going to have to stay an hour and a half longer just to see if we can salvage any business as we're being told from the higher ups. And we're all just like, huh? No, please let us go home. So I got to leave, thankfully, after just being so annoying. So again, shout out to Caitlin. Um, and then I got a couple updates from Caitlin since then. The power never came back on. Wow. So it was out the entire day. Um, uh, a few other of my coworkers left maybe uh, an hour, 15 minutes after I did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, including people that run one of like the pizza area that we have. And then a few, a few of my other coworkers stayed a little bit longer. And then... Um, eventually everybody left and some managers and some of the ushers stayed just in case anyone showed up just so we can be like, Hey, I'm sorry, but the movie theaters closed because there was no power. So today was an event. (laughs) Let's just say, yeah. Um, you know, no tips, sadly, um, no power, no customers. I did make a little horror movie (laughs) in the hallway of just, one of my coworkers, I showed it to Joey, but it's one of my mm-hmm. coworkers. She's like hunched. She's got her arms up like a scarecrow underneath one of the emergency lights, and um, uh, one of my other coworkers is running towards her. I'm like, "No, don't do it. She might get you. You don't know who that is." <laughs> and then she gets her, and we're like, "Ah!" And it's it's silly, but it's fun. Um, I need to I need uh, to watch it again because we were also we were in a tornado <laughs> warning uh, period. Yeah, also. you were telling me that we yeah. went to the basement and um, oof, man, it it did not sound good outside. Was it? It was literally just like. 
There's some there's some uh, folly folly for you guys. Uh, like <laughs> bright um bright light, you know, like the whole sky lit up. It was oh damn. It, the yeah. worst the worst part or at least for us sorry uh, the worst part for us was like the sun was out it looked like a nice day but like you walk outside it's the windiest thing mm-hmm. it's just <sighs> so it was like it's like when it rains on a sunny day you're like what the hell is happening <laughs> what is this why is it raining right now uh but which is also like it's it's kind of a beautiful thing to see whenever it rains i don't know if you if you've ever experienced that it's interesting mm-hmm. um but the thing I kept thinking about too, not to keep going on this, because I, I do want to talk about this movie, but um, I kept thinking about we have no power. Our emergency lights, which are the only lights we have, are losing power, losing battery, because you can see the lights getting dimmer, and it's getting later in the day. So eventually, it's going to be pitch black in this building, and you want people to stay to eight thirty when the sun is basically down. Because it, it basically sets around eight thirty nine o'clock now anyway because of daylight savings, um, and you you we're losing pe- like <laughs> like it's gonna be pitch black. No one's gonna be able to see anything. Like what's happening? Yeah. That's so not like safe. that that was that was that was and yeah we got like security guards in there but it doesn't mean anything. No one can see anything. And our flashlights out, outside of our phones are like terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's just I don't know. I was just really worried about that too, and just like you know. I had one coworker say, like, you know, the moment it gets pitch black in here, I'm going to be, like, freaking out. And I'm like, I, I hope I hope you don't have to deal with that. Because I, I understand. Like, the hallways, you couldn't see down at all eventually. Like, it was pitch black at the end of the hallway. It was like, <sighs> And there was one hallway that had a flickering light at a point, and that was terrifying. <laughs> so, but you know what? It's all scary stuff. It's Halloween. Uh, you know, um, but thankfully to, to, to my knowledge, everyone got to go home. Everyone's at home safe. Hopefully they have power at home, but no, that was, that was my eventful day. (laughs) It was, uh, an entire power outage at work, um, that lasted longer than it, than it should have. Um, I'm still, I'm still, uh, receiving messages, uh, from like old coworkers and other people, because I made a little Snapchat video saying like, "Look what's going on." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, I hope I- I'll actually be really excited to revisit that once this episode officially comes out in October. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so excited to finally get to these movies. You have no idea. Um, Joe, Jenny, Dan. Mm-hmm. What is this first film in this uh, triple feature we're talking about in this episode? This first film. Listen, it's quite a predicament. Listen, came out what was this, a year after this came out a year after the first a, a, one. A year after the first one. It makes me think of like Son of Kong because like <laughs> or this new one or the sixth one that just came out. Right. Yeah, they mm-hmm. just like rush these motherfuckers. But you know what? I heard <laughs> the new one's pretty good, so I guess there's something to it with Scream. So. Um, uh, <laughs> Titanic's greatest fear. Yes. It, was the, it was what they thought was going to be their metaphorical iceberg. <laughs> and like the iceberg, there's a lot more going underneath the surface of the iceberg. Or the tip. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> this is. I, I got what you meant. This is Scream 2. 
That was the best intro you could have given this movie. Wes Craven I, himself would be proud. I, I, I like. You know what? I, I thought it was fun. It was fun. Um, like, the, like I, this movie. Like this movie. Um, I do want to say up front, and I will say this for the rest of this whole episode, and even though these are old movies, and I don't normally need to say this because we're always spoiling old movies, but I, I, these are one of these movies that I like people just go in fresh without knowing anything, so please understand spoilers ahead for the uh, second, third, and fourth installment of the Scream franchise. So if you don't want to know anything, which personally, I am the kind of person that thinks you need to go into these movies fresh as hell, please just pass on this episode. But if you're still here, hey, I hope you enjoy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Scream 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good old Scream 2. Um this this movie is one of my favorite sequels ever. Like period. Like not just horror, not just like franchise, like it's just my favorite one of my favorite sequels period because I think it has as much cleverness, as much humor, as much excitement, as much frights, if you will. Um, I think it it does what the first one does, maybe not as well, but it it's as fun as the first one, and I have so much fun every time I watch it. Um, and it's also a movie that really fleshes out the characters, and you know we see them how they usually are follow moving forward. So, like I'm I'm uh, like that I'm gonna say this a bunch of times. I'm like incredibly obsessed with this franchise, and it's remained that way thankfully because pretty much all the sequels are fun and exciting and um i i could talk for days honestly about these movies but truth be told i really want to get your perspective because mm-hmm. i mean you've you've watched the first one and you've watched the fifth one so you have kind of a sort of a blanket understanding of what these I have a r- movies yeah. i have a rough idea of of how these things uh tend to work you know yeah uh, you know the the very sort of like meta, like oh, teehee, this movie is is a thing on ho- on just on on slashers and, and horror movies, or is this one's about sequels? You know that sort of mm. thing. Yippee! Um, <laughs> which listen, here's the thing, like because on paper, so on paper that could be a disastrous idea. Honestly. It could be. You're not like, wrong because sometimes people like are like, okay, imagine if there's like a Deadpool or like meta like thing and you're just like <laughs> jesus christ please stop please. especially in our day and age and this modern day and age because everything has such a self-awareness of itself yes like which is a really sort of an oxymoron of a sentence but it's true like you know a lot of the marvel movies and their humor are very self-referential and like you know look how silly and weird we are huh However, I don't know why I turned into the Mad Hatter. Oh boy, everybody! Look how self-aware and silly I am. Oh. Shout out to the late great Edwin. Hard out to Edwin. Loved you and Mary Poppins. Um, yes. So, it, it, it especially in our day and age, it could definitely be a detriment. But it's like I think the the Scream franchise sort of stands the test of time in the sense that these movies they are self-referential and they are self-aware but not to an a nauseating extent it's not all entirely played for laughs and it and it's integral to the entire plot really 
And, you know, like the thing that it's like satirizing or whatever, it's a good, also a good version of yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, look at us. Like, we're going to make fun of sequels while also actually being a pretty damn good sequel. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, we're trying. I, I think my other thing with these movies, I like them also because, like, it makes me think of Scooby Doo. Really? <laughs> Which Matthew Lillard's in the first one. In the first one, and we got we got Daphne. Daphne in, in is in one. the second one. Listen, I'm, I hate to say it, I will spoil this. Freddie Prince Jr. and Linda Cardellini sadly have not, do not show up in the next few, but they should have. They, they let me listen. But Freddie Prince Jr. is in. Um, uh, I know what you did last summer, which was written by Kevin Williamson. So, mm-hmm. yeah, at least you got that. I mean, it, it's it's a, it's a fun sort of thing because it's it's got the slasher thing, but it's also it's also the mystery. Like, who's Ghostface? Who is this? Who's Ghostface? Who is it, who is it this time? <laughs> like, first time we got Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich, who used to be uh, called the Diet Coke version of Johnny Depp. But you know what? I kind of like Diet Coke now. So, <laughs> so I'll reluctantly drink Diet Coke. <laughs> Metaphorically, <laughs> listen. I'm I'm a Coke Zero guy now. We're not sponsored by. You know what? You know what? Coke Zero is is the it's Skeeter Rich and then Coke, Coke so. Zero. It, it surprises you. I don't. Have, I don't know if you've had Coke Zero. I have. I've had Coke Zero. Listen, like I don't know what they did, but the formula is pretty good. Like, <laughs> and I'm I'm the kind of guy where I'm like, ah, I, give me the old shit. I don't care if you you know if fucking like does this shit to me <laughs> but anyway coke we're going off. like hey you are going off the rails a little go, bit coke zero is like close enough all right <laughs> but no i i really want to get your 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 take on scream 2 so scream uh, 2 yeah um you know i think it, it's one of those where it is a logical sequel right what are you gonna mm-hmm. do now we got him in college all right and what i remember somebody like saying something about like Oh, I don't want them to make a, a screen movie outside of Woodsboro. How stupid is that? And I'm like, isn't this one outside of Woodsboro? <laughs> Literally, there's only you, three of them in do you Woodsboro. Just, do you just Who actively, is this person? Do you actively want to be an idiot? There's this is there's a lot of there's a bunch of people that were like, and it's like anyway, but <laughs> no, um, but it make it makes sense, and I think it makes it in, interesting too because it's like, oh, even if you're you're get, you're getting away from Woodsboro. You're not really getting away from Listen, Woodsboro. trauma trauma doesn't happen in one place, man. Like no. if you're someone like that's the big thing too, is like Sydney Prescott in this movie, she suffered something traumatic in that first movie. But the thing is, just because she left Woodsboro doesn't mean the trauma stayed in Woodsboro. Yeah. Like it went with her. So <sighs> that that it did. I really um I really enjoyed this one overall um mm-hmm. but like i think a lot of it from for me like you know some of the new players that we get which we'll talk about a little bit or like some expanded roles here and there for me like when it gets to like the vet like the like the like the last like 40 minutes of this movie it is so much fun all like the ridiculous like <laughs> chases that happen like i think about when they're in the college of the video archives it's uh, so good and the soundproof oh my god that's sa- like w- w- when like they're like Dewey's trying to get, um, but he's like smacking on the, the yeah. glass of the sound booth. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, that was that was intense. Obviously, just using the stage is just that's just a fun, 
that that is a fun set piece right there. All the, like the whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> whoa! <laughs> <laughs> that might end up as a quote in the Hall of Fame. Just let's leave Schreiber's whoa. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. Um, so I think for me, it and it, again, it just it just made it made sense as a sequel to the first one, especially with what we with one of the re- the reveals of who we get as one of the ghost faces uh in this in this time around. Oh yeah. Um but I I don't I want to kind of like save the reveals a little bit towards the end cuz I think that could be right. kind of a fun like sure. in case sure. you know. But um the uh the la- like I do agree the last 40 minutes are just a wild ride. Like I love I love the scene when Ghostface just appears out of nowhere, when they're when the two detectives that are guarding Sydney after everything happens, Sydney and her friend Hallie are trying to get to a safe place, and Ghostface just appears out of nowhere. After you know, uh, <laughs> I like I like the sort of setup and payoff bit of, and only Kevin Williamson can can really do this honestly. But like, there's the bit where Sydney late earlier in the movie suspects that one of the detectives is gay. And then later on, he says, don't ask, don't tell. And then he gets his throat cut. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, basically, it, this is like huge scene where like one of the detectives ends up on the hood of the car trying to shoot Ghostface. But of course, he hesitates because uh, Sid and Hallie are in the back seat in and so he's like, he doesn't want to shoot them. So it's just like, oh shit! And Ghostface, it's just going, <laughs> and eventually he runs into a bunch of uh, poles at a construction area, and the pole goes through the detective's head. <laughs> and basically now, like the doors are broken, they're in a cop car, so obviously they can't really get out of the back inside of the car. Um, the side of the car is pinned up against the wall. And so their only uh, obstacle, the only objective is to get out of the front of the car through the window that Ghostface broke on top of Ghostface, who was driving the car and is now unconscious. See, it made me think of, was it the Lost World Jurassic Park, where mm-hmm. yeah. they're trying to, it's like the cliff scene, and it's just like <laughs> all the things that can go wrong with that, and it is so tense. Ju- Julianne Moore just on top of the glass, like... No, don't don't stand up. Don't stand up. It's okay. Hang on to something. Hang on to something. Hang on to something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that's also a great scene. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, but I just remember how intense that scene was, and then Sid just going, "I want to see his face." Hallie's like, "No," (laughs) and then of course Hallie gets killed, sadly, in that scene. But. Uh, just the tension of just trying to get through because <laughs> you gotta pull back the thing and then when Sid honks the horn when she's trying to climb out the window oh my god uh, mm-hmm. but yeah last 40 minutes but I do like that at least with this one too we get to spend some time with the characters like especially the characters that we would end up knowing and loving throughout the whole thing because like yeah we get some of the new players like we get um, uh, Timothy Oliphant our you know beloved Timothy Oliphant, we're both big fans. Um, as Mickey, the creepy Tarantino film student, <laughs> as Randy calls him, um, he looks like he's straight out of Fight Club. <laughs> he kind of does. <laughs> he probably loves Fight Club too. Um, 
we get Hallie, of course, his uh, best friend and college roommate. Randy's back from the first one, um, being the nerdy movie guy. He's a little bit more insufferable this time, admittedly, I think. I, I think so, too, admittedly. Which I, if you, you if you ask any Scream fan, you know a lot of us were pretty big Randy fans because he's like the movie nerd. But you know you, you get a little bit older and you watch the movies and you're like he's like I still love Randy, but he's just really annoying at the same time. He does have some yeah. really good lines though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we get uh, Cotton Weary makes a return. Uh, Leave Schreiber, um, if you remember from the first movie, he was. The man that Sid initially accused of killing her mom, Maureen Prescott, uh, and obviously Billy Loomis revealed he's the killer and he killed Sidney's mom, and so um, Cotton Weary uh, was uh, deemed innocent. But of course, like anything else, uh, <laughs> you when when you're called something, even if you didn't do it, that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. So that 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 that's a you know unfortunate thing but it's true and uh, we do see cotton's a little bit weird in this one so maybe it's not entirely wrong that he's a bad person yeah but it's like he's he's you know it's like at least call him a bad person for the for what what he actually for what he actually is he's an adulterer he's not a murderer Mm. (laughs) um we also get uh from some of the new characters jerry o'connell uh playing sydney's boyfriend um what the hell Derek that's his name I almost forgot his name um Sydney's boyfriend Derek who uh obviously the boyfriend is always suspicious like mm-hmm. in, in all these movies yeah if if Sydney's got a boyfriend and right up until the end like when he's like you know hung up I thought that he was like he just missed the opportunity to be a ghost like he wanted to be a ghost face because I didn't believe his answer I didn't think I was not convinced. <laughs> and then so I like, love how the I like Tip of the Alpha is like, you got trust issues, basically. It's like, it's like, it's like, he's literally, it's like, hey, you do too, audience. You do too. <laughs> we do too. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, we also get um, uh, returnee to the show, Lori Metcalf, um, Andy's mom, Lady Bird's mom. <laughs> and she's Debbie Salt, the reporter that annoys Gail Weathers in this movie. Um, and then on that note, uh, we also get uh, two of our other core characters return. And in in a way that, again, like I look at how they are in the first Scream, and I love them in the first one, but this is the Scream that I think fully cements on who these characters are for the rest of the series. So we give Gail and Dewey, who have... I love them. I love them so yep. much. I love their oh yeah their their romance, their on and off again thing. Of course, obviously, David Arquette and Courtney Cox, uh, you know, in real life were married eventually, um, because they met in this franchise. Um, and I like that they still like they're still like even though they probably had some heartache here and there, but they're still they still work together, still close, and you know they've done all these other movies together. So that was always nice to see in these movies. Um, but uh, you know. Gail comes back and she's still kind of the Gail we know, but you know, she's a little bit feistier. She's got mm-hmm. red highlights. She's she's a little bit fiery. Woo. Um <laughs> she's a little bit more fiery, just ah. Um and she I mean, you know, she's 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 easy on the eyes, let's be honest. But so is uh so is David Arquette also. <laughs> so, <laughs> even with his little his little his little uh uh Cluzo mustache. <laughs> I would like to find 
the ghost face. <laughs> I will find the ghost face. <laughs> ghost no, it's, face. it's ghost face. Gilfast. <laughs> no, Billy like to... Loomis. <laughs> Der Burger. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh man! But uh, we see we see Dewey and Gale's relationship uh, flourish, and like Dewey, Dewey's a lot more determined and a lot more like protective. But he's still goofy, and that's what I love about it. I love that he's still goofy, Dewey. But he's obviously he's more caring and heartfelt and noble. He's like if Captain America had a really weird limp. <laughs> David Arquette for Cluzo and Captain America. He, he's a he's a slight like like you know how people say like Shaggy is only using one percent of his power. He's like if Shaggy used like five percent of his power. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect description. Perfect, perfect description, honestly. <laughs> like Zoig scale. <laughs> I got a hold of your booby. <laughs> it's in the movie. <laughs> it is in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that the, the tape changes in that scene and after they were just making out and she looks up. It's like Dewey. And then she looks down. Dewey. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm also amazed we spent all this time. We haven't talked about the opening scene of this one. No. Um. Uh, what? Did, what was your feeling on the opening scene? Because I mean, we'll talk about it, obviously, but I really want to get all of your feelings. Well, because again, like any scene, how do you, you know, you have the, how do you, uh, you how do you top the Drew Barrymore top, scene? And you make it even more referential because you have the stab. You have the stab movie, which is inspired by the events of Scream. Yes. You know? Um, Which that's a whole thing in this franchise is like there's a franchise of movies that was stemmed from this one movie based on this actual event that happened in the first movie, the Stab but series. But it became so scary too, just like because everybody got like a like a, a ghost face like mask and then for the special you know, screening, yeah, for the special screening, and like we were saying, you were we were saying that would never happen today because I'm sure you were saying just because of mask, like like because of everything. Yeah, because yeah, of all the stuff that happened. I was thinking because of like that'd be too expensive for the studio to <laughs> <Too>. to do. <laughs> you know, um, so could you and, imagine like an Avengers movie and everyone gets like, here's a Thor costume, here's a Hulk costume? They would never do that. And the opening scene ultimately plays in with the theme of what happens at the end of the movie, which mm-hmm. you know is is like, well, do movies do movies have an effect on reality? Uh, do they have an effect on on a real world events? You know, um, that's the big. That's one of the biggest talking points I think of the whole movie. Yeah, because like you know, and this is something we hear time and time again, especially with like video games. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just want to just double check. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, <laughs> Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith. Omar Epps are opening wanted... stars. They they were great in the opening scene. I was sad to see them, uh, sad to see them go. Mm. Um, you know, and then who? What's the camera ma- camera person's? Name? Oh, Joel. Joel. I'm just trying to. Uh, Dwayne Martin. Dwayne Martin. He, he was yeah. great. Uh, he was so good. One of, one of my favorite characters in the movie. Like I feel like is the cameraman because you liked Carl from the last one, right? I did, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like like the cameraman. I don't think there is sadly a cameraman in in the third one. 
but at least you got some good cameramen in the first two movies. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm satisfied. I'll, I'll it'll hold and you and Joel lives this time, so yeah. Now because he nice was smart. Because <laughs> at first I thought he was a ghost face because there were times where he would just dip, he yeah. just leave, you know. And there was the scene like again we were talking about when they're working on the video stuff and they, you see the camera switch. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait like was was Joel filming this whole time? Was, was somebody familiar with media, you know? But I loved how it was described. I'm like, you know, he took this job probably not fully knowing what was going <laughs> what on. was so going to happen. So I was saying, you, it's like the fake it till you make it, then you realize, oh god, they actually hired me. I have to do things. <laughs> god damn it, I'm out but, later. But but he was he was great. He was great. But so like for that, but to go back to the opening scene a little bit, mm-hmm. so. We get Phil Stevens, Maureen Evans, um, and uh, like a classic, like this, it feels more like classic Scream in a way, because, I mean, because the first movie, you got Drew Barrymore, and she's talking about like, you know, some of the horror movies she likes, like, you know, the one with the guy with the white mask who stalks the babysitter, you know, and then in this one, you have essentially uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, who does not like horror movies, <laughs> Especially given that, you know, they talk they talk a lot about how uh, black people have had sort of a, you know, especially at that time, uh, uh, not much of a presence in the horror genre. Because, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so we have a little bit of commentary in that. And then um, what's what I think was a pretty cool sort of way to sort of build the world out of Scream is that they actually get Robert Rodriguez uh to do is he's in the hall of fame right rodriguez he should be if he is he should be he should be if he isn't but uh, uh to potential or already two dudes hall of famer Rod- robert rodriguez uh directed the scenes you see of the stab movie because you see two scenes one of which is a, a a referential joke to the first movie where sid says with my luck i'll be played by tori spelling if they make this into a movie and then lo and behold guess who plays her in, in the movie, along with Luke uh, Wilson. I always like to see him. Uh, especially with his 90s uh, Skeet Ulrich haircut. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, that but... would have been really shocking if he if, if it was Luke Wilson as that, char- as that character in the first screen, because I'd be like, Luke Wilson? No! What are you, what are you doing here? You're not You're... a killer. It's like having <laughs> Winnie the Pooh as a mass murderer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paula! I guess I stabbed you again. Oh, you're leaking a lot of red, honey. Hi, mm, honey. Blood, blood flavored. Honey. <laughs> it's a little gross. Um. Anyway, <laughs> what do you mean, you teddy bears? <laughs> uh, Paul. I don't know if we should be doing this. I guess I'll d- I'll bury the body. <laughs> you know, Boom, tiggers are, are really good. Tiggers are really good at burying bodies. <laughs> and that gopher, gopher is the Listen. one who stirs <laughs> the beans. <laughs> this is the Winnie the Pooh horror movie that it should have been, not the one we got. Those but anyway. Frauds. <laughs> So, so we get in the opening scene, uh, the two characters are going to watch Stab, and, uh, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's like, she's 
terrified. She's actually kind of scared. That's part of the reason why. But she plays it off like she's too cool and they're dumb. But you know, she's clearly like a little bit. But she's also kind of getting into it later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Omar Epps gets killed in the bathroom because he he's being uh nosy. <laughs> and then in 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 one of the more like kind of sad moments really in in this mm. franchise is uh there's a scene where we get sort of a uh michael myers bit where like if you remember in halloween michael myers he's put the glasses on he's got the sheet and uh he's in disguise and uh the one friend's like see anything you like <laughs> and then she you know gets killed mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but in this in this instance uh, Ghostface is just—he just put on the boyfriend's jacket, and and of course everyone else has Ghostface costumes, so she's not assuming anything's wrong. So she thinks he's just being silly again. Like, right. come on, stop trying mm-hmm. to scare me. Yeah. And so she's getting into it, and eventually she realizes there's blood on his coat, and she's like, uh. And then he reveals he's not actually the boyfriend. He starts stabbing her, and she's going into the aisle, and he's still stabbing her. But the 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 saddest part of it is is that. Everyone around them thinks it's a publicity stunt. They don't think it's because, of course, it's a show. Everything's a show. And that's, I think, that's the biggest. That scene almost feels like a great metaphor for the biggest thing that these movies try to say, I arguably, is that people do kind of make entertainment out of tragedy. Yeah. Because, I mean, this, that's a, that's a track that goes through all the way to the sixth movie where, um, what happens in the movie, like, you know, it's like, well, it's just entertainment. Like, listen, there's still real shit and real stuff happens. And so sadly, um, when it gets to the point where she's been stabbed like three or four times, she's standing in front of the screen as the movie's playing and people are starting to realize, uh oh, what? Mm-hmm. And that's when it's revealed. And I, I, I also love that Wes Craven doesn't cut away after she's dead. Like, we spend a good two seconds with Jada Pinkett Smith's character, with Maureen Evans, after she's already fallen dead. And then the title comes on. Because, again, I think that cements, listen, this actually happened. This is real. It's not a movie. And I feel like it's especially relevant now, you know, especially it makes me think of the whole Jeffrey Dahmer thing. Mm Mm-hmm when that series yeah. came out and then there was like people dressing their kids as Jeffrey Dahmer for like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, but I think it's a great, it's, it's definitely a really amazing opening sequence. So uh, yeah. it, it, it's like, it, it's, it's satirical. It's funny, but it's also kind of like it hits. Honestly, you're like, fuck, um, but there's a, one of the, obviously one of the fun things about this movie, like Joey said earlier, is like, it's the, it's finding out who Ghostface is, like, who is it? Because we're getting all these great kill scenes. We're getting these suspenseful moments. Um, but we're also getting all of these cast members and any one of these people could potentially be Ghostface. And of course, I'm not telling Joey anything. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I am not going to tell you who the killer is. Um, and there's even a point Joey's like, has there ever, ever, has there ever been three ghost faces? And I'm like, I can't tell you that, mm-hmm. but I can tell you there has been one instance where there's maybe been one ghost face, but typically there are multiple ghost faces. And he's like, right. okay. Um, now, Joey, I want to know 
your thought process throughout this whole thing leading to the reveal and and how you felt on that because i'm really because you were actually kind of surprised by an aspect of it well timothy oliphant um i was not surprised by he's um, one of the killers yeah it's like (laughs) because he's also the camera it's it's like there always is like one that's like uh, like at least from the other one that i saw you know the um, the other screen movies i've seen it's like there's one that's like okay this and then there's one, one there's like a little more like, you know, but mm-hmm. um, in this one there was definitely like it was like whoa, it's Andy's mom. <laughs> <laughs> but but tell me tell me some of your theories though, like like before because well, you said like you thought maybe it could be Joel. I, Joel because the camera thing and he was there's a couple instances where he's like I'm out of here, I'm out of here, I'm out of here, right. Uh, and then the boyfriend, beca- Derek, because I, I think the, the, that scene that we was like singing to Sydney is a great yeah. misdirect because it's so excessive. Yeah. Like, mo- yeah. Mo- and nine times out of ten, you're doing that to like cover up something. Right. Or, you mm-hmm. know, and again, like I said, until the end, I thought he was really like guilty as fuck because I thought maybe he was involved on some, even if he wasn't a ghost face, he was like involved you- in something. Did you think that it was Derek, Mickey, and Joel? Is that why you asked if there was three? Yes, that's why I asked if there was three. Okay, uh, but um, I'm glad I was wrong because uh, <laughs> Andy's his mom. <laughs> and that, of course, led to me saying, "Listen, of course it's Andy's mom," because Andy's mom knows that the neighbor boy Sid <laughs> is a big meanie and needs to be taken down. <laughs> <laughs> but like the pieces were definitely put there because she herself even says i figured the killer would be from woodsboro right and then there's the scene it's very quick but if you go back and watch randy's death scene which is a great scene um you see that there's a, a lipstick kiss on his hand right so that indicates it might be a woman and then randy even says um uh it like you know, tip the serial killers are typically white males, but that's why it's perfect because it's sort of against the rules, but not really because Mrs. Voorhees was a terrific serial killer. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, I like that they put like that's one of my favorite things too about great mystery mo- movies with great mysteries because they put the pieces there. So when you watch it back, you're like, of course. Um, and at least, and that's another thing because like you can have it be like that kind of a twist where it's where it's like a random sort of side character, but at least. Laurie Metcalf is prominent enough in the movie and is you're constantly reminded that she's there, but not to any sort of extent where it's like she's overbearing or too much. Like she's in the perfect amount for you to just think she's just an annoying reporter. And then bam, um, you know, Gail walks through the door. Sydney's like, it's Gail. God damn it, Gail. You're of course you're a ghost face. And it's like, Mrs. Loomis. Cause that's, that's the real, real, it's like, there's a twist in a twist. Cause it's of course, Laurie Metcalf, Debbie Salt, but her name's not actually Debbie Salt. She's actually right. Nancy Loomis, Billy's mother, who left him. It, which also is is great because um, the scene they showed from Stab with Tori Spelling is the scene where they mentioned Billy's mom leaving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like again, like I, I, it's, I love it. Oh, the pieces are all there, and I love it so much. <laughs> I feel like a sleuth. I look at all the clues. <laughs> and then Laurie Metcalf just sells the hell out of it. Yeah, she's terrific. 
Like both, both like because obviously, like Timothy Oliphant, he looks crazy, just off the bat. Like he's a great looking guy. He's he's a good looking guy, no question. But he also looks like he's a little bit, you know. <laughs> he's got some Billy loose... Loomis, uh, Billy Loomis uh, two, <laughs> Billy Loomis two, a little bit of stew in there, a little bit of Matthew Lillard looniness in yes, there. Yes, right. Um, uh, but it almost like how did okay so. How did you feel about his whole like thing about um, blaming the movies? I, I, I could see that making sense. It's one of those things where I could see like I could see people misconstruing that mm-hmm. or like misinterpreting it because like there uh, there are people, especially very conservative people, who are like movies are to blame for all all of this yeah. stuff. Movies and media, yeah, is all is to blame for this stuff. We shouldn't be dressed, you know. And, um, again, I don't know, I don't know how well that would hold, hold up. I don't know how well that would hold up in court, admittedly. Yeah. Um, but it, so it makes sense. It, it, it makes it, well, yeah. And it makes enough sense for the movie to make you go, Ooh, it's something to th- at least think about. Yeah. Um, and I think it also adds, cause I think the one element people tend to forget about the movies is that they are satires. Yep. And that, like, a lot of the Ghostface killings are part of the whole satirical aspect of, like, the kind of greater narrative, like, the first movie. Um, like, the first movie, I think, has the most emotional um, uh, motive. Yeah. Um, outside of just, like, oh, we're going to frame your father for killing everybody and destroy your family. But then Billy's like, you know, well, your mom and my dad had an affair and my mom left me and that's why I'm mad. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your mom. Right. Um, but then like in this one, this is one, this one I think is where it sort of sets the stage for like the ghost face motivations to come. Because again, a lot of the motivations are sort of based around stuff that maybe on the surface or to a certain level, someone watch it might think this seems really dumb. Why would that work? And then you think, wait a minute, (laughs) right? wait a minute. (laughs) Like I think of like, um, in scream five, which I could talk about because we watched it. Um, spoilers for Scream Five, but like uh, we 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 learn that Ghostface is a Scream like stab movie nerd who's mad that they ruined the franchise with the Ryan Johnson installment and decides, well, we're gonna make our own Scream movie, <laughs> yeah, our own stab, and uh, you know he starts talking about like there's no such thing as toxic fandom, and then he realizes, like again on the surface. This seems a bit far fetched, but then you're like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> well, hold on, <laughs> maybe it's not so unbelievable." And that's kind of the sad part of it. Yeah. Um, so that's what I liked about the Mickey motivation. But then I also liked that uh, it was Bi- it was Billy's mom, and she was like, "Did you did you believe that shit?" <laughs> and she's like, "She's like, oh, you're and you're not crazy. No, I'm very sane." my motive is just good old-fashioned revenge you killed my son and now i'm gonna kill you and i don't think of anything more rational whoa whoa (laughs) (laughs) cotton freaking weary did you did you say that was your favorite character he probably he he's he's terrible like he's not great but he's not a good person but he's entertaining he's entertaining uh, Liev Shriver, Ray Donovan himself, 
Sabertooth. The guy who interviews Jeff- Jeffrey Wright in The French Dispatch. <laughs> he, listen, he knew exactly what, what movie franchise he was in. <laughs> Wes Craven was like, I like this guy. I'm going to give him some more screen time. It's like, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's good in the movie. He's he's a lot of fun. I like I like I liked his uh, scene in the library. Yeah, <laughs> where he's just like <laughs> he's like, listen, I know you don't like the media, but 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 Sydney, <laughs> it's Diane Sawyer. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like why do you why don't we just move on? Why do you need more exposure? I don't know because I think maybe I deserve a little fucking exposure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how would you, how do you, it's not that it matters, but like, how do you feel about this compared to the first one? It's so close. I think, I I think the first one edges out a little bit. Yeah, same for me. Uh, but I think this movie, like the last, like, (laughs) last chunk of it was really like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I loved, I loved when, uh, Derek was getting hazed because of his whole like fraternity faux pas thing that he had because he gave Sydney the necklace, which led to one of my favorite lines when Billy goes to this whole thing and he's like, that's what Billy knew. It's all about execution. And she's like, yeah, we're forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis. (laughs) Oh yeah. What's that? I fucking killed him. (laughs) Like, I love, I love, I love Nev Campbell so much. She's amazing in these movies. Um, I love uh, that that uh, David Arquette's dad is in this movie. <laughs> Returning to the show, Lewis, because he was he was in. What was he in, Joey? What was he? Little Nick. He was Little Nicky. He's like the, the um. The sin. Let the sin, sin begin. begin. <laughs> As Reese Fons is controlling him. <laughs> I loved all the different ghost faces that you came up with. That's the movie's played out. Like it's Steve Martin and Martin Short. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> You're but playing no, with the big boys now. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what what else I was gonna I was gonna say before then. Um, but no, but it was it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. This one. Mm. Uh, it's. Do you it's, think you have a better understanding of what these movies are now after watching, especially three of them at this point? I think it's like a pretty solid understanding. I would say for sure. For sure, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I also think it's cool. Also, like I'm looking at the like the box office for this one. It only made like about seven hundred thousand dollars less than the first one, mm-hmm. which is honestly kind of impressive. It made one hundred seventy two million worldwide, um, twenty four million dollar budget, and it's impressive for a movie that can't that had such a quick turnaround. Um, when you really when you really think about it, so genuinely impressive there. Like, is it's sort of crazy to think that, like, because the first movie was just Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. This was after Wes Craven had done, because Kevin Williamson had was doing CW shows at the time. Yeah. And I think, or there were the WB at the time. Um, right. I think he was doing Dawson's Creek before he did Scream, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but, uh. Kevin Williamson was obviously such a big horror fan, and, and at that time, Wes Craven had 
more or less cemented himself as an icon in that genre with movies like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, that at least the two that he directed, but he started the whole thing. And uh, um, he had done a few horror movies here and there, like uh, Hills Have Eyes and Serpent in the Rainbow and uh, The People Under the Stairs and all types of different movies. And, you know, again, really made a name for himself in that genre as, uh, you know, a fantastic director, but also just a great horror auteur, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think even he would be like, yeah, I just, I just like horror movies. <laughs> um, the humble guy that he was, uh, this is genre that, uh, that I'm associated with has brought me a lot of, a uh, lot of employment. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy about this. <laughs> he also has one of the best speaking voices cause he used to be a teacher before he was a director and you, you get to see it. If you ever mm-hmm. watch interviews, like he seems like he was probably a teacher at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. speaking of teachers, how did we not mention your, one of your favorite cameos? In this movie, the drama teacher. Oh yes, that's who I was going to mention. Um, David Warner, the late great David Warner. Um, uh, also returning. Also returning. Uh, if he isn't in the Hall of Fame already, in our Hall he of should Fame be. already, he, he should, should be. be. So he many is, Hall of Famers in this whole movie, really. Um, he's fantastic. It's uh, fantastic in, in, in the little bit that he has. Um, you know, in that short bit, you get the good sense of like. Him and like Sydney in that in that you know instance and, that, and I think that's kind of fun. Yes, and it's a it's a great scene too because it really shows that Sydney is like going through a lot and we get a great piece of music from Danny Elfman, which again I love that like they outsourced other people to like make stuff for the movie just to build out the world. So you like yeah you got freaking Robert Rodriguez directing a movie with Heather Graham and. Tori Spelling and Luke Wilson, all of whom were a part of the like screen promotional material, which makes it that's always the fun thing too. It's like you'll know like the the people who are supposed to be in the movie, but then like you know, like you get all these other people like, well, who are they? And then it's like, well, yeah. they're just like the cast and the script in the in this movie within the movie, right. and you're like, that's just fun. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I I I really like too that that scene because it, it it flushes out Sydney's interest. She's not just somebody. Who's been like a ghost face victim, you know? Yeah, she, she traumatized she, the ghost face. She's a theater kid. She's a theater kid. I also liked it too. It felt like a college. Her performance felt like a college production performance as well. Like yeah. it felt like I'm, and, and that, that's not a knock on like um, no. on Nev Camel, but I, I felt genuine. Like that's what a that's college what that kind of, and I've seen. Yeah. And it's good, but it's like that's what it is. Um, you know. So I think overall, this is a really like worthy sequel to the first mm-hmm. one, which doesn't always happen. It's a great sequel, and it's one of those where it's like it it's, it makes it easy, really easy to see why people really love this franchise. Like you wouldn't yeah. to. Like, like I was saying earlier, like the fact that you know, because obviously there were you know what Wes Craven, and Kevin Williamson just kind of stumbled and like caught lightning in a bottle with that first movie, and the fact that they were able to follow it up so quickly literally the following year with a movie that is almost equally as good in almost every sense uh with another great cast uh some great satire a a really cool reveal which i know a lot of people are like not as much into the reveal of scream 2 but i personally love the hell out of it especially because of how great laurie metcalf is in that role yeah and how like 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 almost silly and psychotic Timothy Oliphant plays with that role. Like he's not just a carbon copy of like a Stu or Billy, but he feels like he should be, but he plays mm-hmm. it like in his own way and he has so fun right, right. he has so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um 
like I love I love the the sort. There's a lot of like setup and payoff too, but like I love the callback because like earlier in the movie, uh, they joke that he's a huge James Cameron fan, <laughs> and then he goes, "Sid, you got a Linda Hamilton thing going." <laughs> no, no, it's nice. I like it. <laughs> mm. And so I like. Uh, it's another one. It's another movie too that you watch it again. It's just got it's got such a rewatchability too. Like even the first one has that. But I'm actually really happy that you you ended up liking it. So, uh, I'm. I, how are you feeling going forward with the rest of these movies? Pretty good. I've heard three has a repu- as a as a reputation. Um, I'm definitely. I've heard. I've heard pretty good things about four. So I'm. I'm, I'm definitely very excited. All right. Well, I, I thank you for indulging me in my no, not yeah. and not my Ten Commandments. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> And thankfully, I don't. To my knowledge, you don't hate anyone in any of these movies. So, as far as I know, no. Thank goodness. If you were like David Arquette, just rubs me the wrong way. I'd be like Joey. What about Ready to Rumble? <laughs> Sal Vandini. What a wrestle! <laughs> on that note, on that note, we're gonna take a brief uh, intermission, and we come back. Scream Three uh, is on the menu. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature Halloween Extravaganza, where we're celebrating the Scream sequels. In our last segment, we talked about Scream Du Dua Two. Just want to translate. Um, now we are moving on to probably the entry in the franchise that isn't a favorite amongst fans but it's a movie that especially on twitter i've noticed has really gained uh uh some momentum and it's a movie that has aged well sadly <laughs> like there's aspects of it but we'll get into that um joe denny dan what is this next scream sequel we are talking about today all right let <laughs> me just okay okay Scream three. Good job. <laughs> Andy's mom. What? No, Andy's mom's not in this one. <laughs> but he was Andy's mom. <laughs> Bumpy's mom. <laughs> what? Roseanne's sister. Anyway. <laughs> Scream, uh, Scream 3, which, uh, yes, is the weakest out of all these, but I think a lot of franchises would, would give up, like, give up a lot <laughs> if they could say, like, something on the, uh, to the quality of Scream 3 was their worst entry. Honestly, yeah. Like, like, I was telling Wikey yesterday, cause, uh, cause when we watched it, uh, was it yesterday or whatever? Um... 
I messaged him and, I, and we were both like, you know, this could have been a lot worse if it was made by somebody else. But for what it for what it is, it, it's still pretty fun, honestly. I generally had a good time um, with with this one, but here's okay. So I, I really want to get into like your like like we do with the last one. I really want to get into like your perspective on it because again, you're you're coming into this whole thing like like as a newborn baby. You, you, like you've had only so many ex- you've now uh, technically now you've seen all but one so you are pretty much caught up so that's exciting and we'll get to the other one later but um so we went into this one uh i told you up front i was like this one's got a different screenwriter it's aaron Kruger. um uh it's one that is considered by many as the weakest but it also has elements in it that you know like i mentioned earlier are uh, very relevant. So, well, I guess what was your feeling going into it before watching it, knowing all of that? Well, I was probably more kind to it than what people had given it credit for in its initial release, obviously. Yeah. You know, that's just the benefit of time, really. It's kind of like, um, I think about like the Phantom Menace in that, mm-hmm. not that this movie is like the Phantom Menace, but like if you, if you're going into the Phantom Menace without the hype, and it's just another Star Wars movie, you're not going to look at it as, like, the worst thing that ever happened to civilization, right? Probably not, no. Um, the other thing, I was weirdly under the impression that this thing was PG-13. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess, like, I don't want to say I'm both half right, because that's completely wrong, but, like, the violence is definitely toned down in this one, so... Because mm-hmm. I, I was almost think, thinking, like, you know, on some level... I could have seen this, like, get the reappraisal if it was PG-13, simply because, for I, I imagine, if it was PG-13 for a number of people, it would have been their first encounter with this franchise, because the other one's being R-rated, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not, so that that I throw that in the toilet. Um, <laughs> it, was my, it was my first Scream movie, actually, oddly enough. And but, the, like, right. yeah. It was like, I watched it on, it was late night HBO, and it was just on, because I think it was around the time we had, because we got a big screen, it was around the time we just moved in to this house. Actually, it was a little bit later than that, but it felt like it was around that time. And we have this, like, old school big screen TV. It's basically the same one, you probably don't remember it, but it's the same TV that Bruce Wayne has in Batman Returns. I always remember that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like a huge box that was the size of a... I don't know. It's just it's just huge, um, but I remember we had HBO at the time, and like all the like primetime movie channels, like HBO Cinemax and all those other ones. And I remember it just started playing, and I was really intrigued by it. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like, I hadn't really watched. I'd seen a few horror movies here and there, but I hadn't really watched, and I had never seen a Scream movie. Um, and so I was just watching it, and I was like, "This is this is kind of fun." Like I don't like it's it's scary, definitely. Like I'm definitely scared, but like I'm kind of hooked a little bit. And then we mm-hmm. got Blockbuster around that time as well, and so I would rent it from Blockbuster, and I would watch it because we didn't have a DVD player initially. So, but I had one on my desktop computer at the time, so I used to watch it with all the special features all the time. 
So I was glued to that thing, <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, I would watch. It's a, it's definitely a strange feeling to just watch movies on a computer screen uh, versus like on a TV. But it was the only way I could watch DVDs. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll that was with this. that makes me think of when I um I had a portable DVD player and I got and obviously as you know I'm into Van Helsing. Oh yeah, we'll get back to Scream in a second. So like, there's also an anime Helsing, which I thought at the time was connected with the. I thought I'd heard about. It. I'm like, ooh, is this? Ooh, I, I'm interested in this. And I'd seen like a couple of the. Ep- I, I'll, eventually, I would see the couple of the episodes, but I got the first one. It was a really cool cover. It was a, my first steelbook ever, um, and I remember getting that. But I also remember too, like, because my brother was. You know, we have a four-year difference in age, and, you know, my mom mm-hmm. didn't want him watching anything that was too brutal, and Helsing was, it was brutal. You know, a lot yeah. of blood and guts and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of weird where you're, like, watch whether it's a desktop, <laughs> desktop computer or a, um, a portable DVD player, you know. It's just, like, the top of your head's getting cut off, by the way. Uh, yeah, because I have, guys, I'm also, I have a sore throat. So I'm drinking tea. So the tea is um, behind where I see Richard behind the phone. Oh, so is it just today, propped weird? It's just yeah, it's just propped weird. So okay, I, I, I just, I'm aware of it. I just was concerned, but then again, I'm normally used to seeing the top of your head eventually <laughs> versus the, versus like um, below the eye level. <laughs> but I get to see that that glorious beard. This is true. This is true. Um, so going back to Scream Three, <laughs> it was because um, the first one, obviously, it's a, it's a masterpiece. It's a classic, great movie. We just you just heard our thoughts on Scream Two. I really loved Scream Two. I love Scream Two. Scream Two is great. And then this one, they kill Cotton in the opening scene. So I'm just like, let's <laughs> <laughs> no, see. That was the that was one of the funny things of. Uh, you just latching on to Cotton Weary from the second one, oddly enough, is like, what? <laughs> like, like I get it, he's like, Leif Schreiber, A, because he's got the Wolverine connection, and, you know, he's also great in other things. B, he's he's funny and entertaining for being, like, a terrible person. Yes. <laughs> but, I didn't, really, I didn't, I guess I wouldn't have imagined, like, Cotton Weary was the guy that you would be like, yeah! Cotton! <laughs> My man, and then, and then and then when that happened, I was like, "He's gonna hate the opening scene of this movie," because <laughs> literally, it just, it's just yeah, yeah, it's just, just it, yeah. He just gets stabbed, and it's kind of a weak opening, admittedly. It's yeah, it was definitely weak in that regard. Um, but let me talk like positives, like the the Dewey Gale dynamic, as usual, great. as usual, it was excellent. Excellent. Whenever they were on screen, I was definitely I was fully invested, even with um, uh, Courtney Cox's Margot Margot Kidder uh, hair. <laughs> I think they refer so they refer to as Lois Lane at one point in the. She, she is referred to as Lois Lane. Yeah. Um. You know. But again, this one takes place in Hollywood, so obviously the meta element, them making another stab movie. Um. You know. So there's there's all of that. Um. You know, and also, too, because obviously each one of these is, like, a meta thing on something. And this is a meta thing on, like, trilogy conclusions. Yeah. Or, like, the third the third movie. And yeah. it, it, I gotta say, it lives up to being the weakest. 
uh, of, of the three in you know and it sounds like i'm really down on this one and listen it, it was I had, I had a fun time um you know watching it there were some funny moments um but it's definitely like it was definitely you definitely got the sense that this felt like it was handcuffed somewhat yeah i mean i mean we talked about the lack of violence earlier but uh, is if you know your history, um, uh, sometime af- before this movie came out, um, the Columbine shooting happened, which yeah. uh, was an incredible tragedy, one that gets repeated way too often. On a different note, and um, because of that, obviously there was a lot of media conversation around video games and movies and just violence in media in general, which is also part of the commentary in this movie, sort of not it's, it's mentioned really, if anything. Um, and because of that, you know, the studio Miramax who and dimension who owns Miramax owned at the time, um, really pulled back on things. We're like, Hey, we gotta, you gotta like not be so violent this time. You gotta like Mm -hmm. pull back a little bit. And Wes is, like what? Because <laughs> I mean, Wes Craven's probably you know he's in the middle of making the movie. I mean, Wes Craven's also no. Uh, he's he's got he, he's got his experience with uh, studio interference in many instances. I mean, we talked about it a little bit on Cursed. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. Um, but in this instance, you know, this is a, this is a franchise he and Kevin Williamson started together, and um, to get that kind of pull to like have to like you know he complied more or less obviously because as you said the movie's pretty tame but it doesn't mean that he got entirely pulled away because he was still able to add some bite to it but it does kind of like hinder because like with a horror movie you kind of need it to be at least somewhat violent to add to the terror a little bit because like you know most the probably the most violent thing that happens in the movie is a character gets blown up which is a fun scene. Well, uh, it, it's it's so cartoony though. Like yeah. it's all, all it's almost like hard for you to like because when you like, I'm you know going back to like the um, the other movies where it's like a lot of the kills are more intimate and mm-hmm. more you know more personal. And this one is just like I, I just feel like I was watching a Mission Impossible movie <laughs> or something, and not you know yeah. scream. It 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 definitely. Again, you know, it's like they were having to work around a million different regulations just to get the movie they wanted to make. Um, but it, it it's it, again, it's one of those movies that you know, for better or worse, it could have it. You know, for for what it is, it's still like I, like I said earlier, it's still pretty entertaining. And I was saying to Joey when we watched the movie, Wes Craven directed the hell out of it. Yeah. Just like, listen, you know, I got a completely different screenwriter, nothing against Aaron Kruger, um, and I have all these restrictions, so what am I going to do? I'm going to add some crazy shit in this. Like, there's this, there's a whole dream sequence that, when I was a kid, scared the hell out of me. That dream sequence is really good. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to try to add... Um, Maybe some over the top stuff because, like, if I can't show a lot of blood, maybe I can just show a lot of like craziness, which it sort of clashes with certain things as as you brought up after we were done talking about it. Um, but you know, like, he 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 was like 
trying to pull as many things as he could just to make the movie work and for what it is it, it is a lot of fun still um trying to think uh it is it like it is it is sort of hard to talk about admittedly when um it doesn't really give you as much as you want because you're just like you're just trying to find things to talk about then <laughs> no uh, yeah i mean just see like um i'm oh we didn't talk about mark uh the character oh, of yeah. I mean, there's a lot of new characters obviously we mm-hmm. got we got um mcdreamy himself uh the voice of brother bear in brother bear 2 <laughs> i know it's not the character's name but you to go with me folks who remembers brother bear i mean really i never um, saw brother bear so <laughs> i don't even remember it just that it exists you know what if, if you worked on brother bear i apologize that was a little <laughs> wasn't joaquin was phoenix really... in brother bear in the first one and okay. because there was a direct-to-video one um and patrick dempsey was the main character kina Ke- i forget okay. the character's name whatever um <laughs> but he he's a de- he's like a detective guy he's uh mark kincaid yeah detective mark kincaid and then his detective uh partner wallace uh, who's played by the actor who vo- who is the voice of Raphael from the '90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie? That's I, I'm sure he's done other things, but that's what I remember him for the most. So, so he's so so you said he's fan for Raphael. You're saying, yeah, he's the he's the angsty one. <laughs> so when, when he go- so is he the one that goes? Damn! Yes, <laughs> yes, <he's> so <laughs> yes, he has the most iconic line. <laughs> in that movie, though he also it's has like some great one-liners in this. <laughs> it's like dropping the f bomb. Like it's like the, the kids like quoting like dropping. The <laughs> it's like whoa. Um, but I but I like I like um Patrick Dempsey in this. I like the dynamic that he has uh with Sydney. Mm. Um, and I, I love where it's like, hey, what's your what's your favorite scary movie? My, My life. life. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what a, what a what a great like soap opera line. <laughs> it, there's a, there's a couple like great like little weird like like this, ooh, this somebody is, who says something and they respond. This is, and it's this is the scene where you come with us. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. that's a good one too. Um, but there's a lot of like supporting cast uh, people. Parker Posey is in this. And... Parker Posey is genuinely like one of the most fun characters. She plays yeah. I think her because I think her her character's name is it's just Jennifer, but like I think in one of the later movies it's revealed her last name is Jolie, like Angelina Jolie, but Jennifer yep. Jolie. Mm-hmm. Um, so and there's a re- like I said there's a reference to that in another movie. I won't say which one, but it might it might have been the one Joey hasn't seen yet. <laughs> um, but she's she's so fun. Uh, her bodyguard is. Uh, Patrick Warburton. Hey, Jennifer. <laughs> hey, hey, dude, dude drop. drop. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Hollywood uh, hanger outer. <laughs> but, oh, but speaking of, like, the brutality and stuff, I thought that, like, the shot of, of you were talking about this too, of Patrick Warburton after he's killed. Oh, uh, when yeah. He, when he, like, when he's just standing there and you're just like, oh. He's walking in and he's like, dude, drop. <laughs> His name, I like his, I like his, uh, his name in the movie, Stephen Stone. 
You get, is that an order do drop? Because Stephen Stone doesn't work for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what, what else. Um, uh, Emily, Emily Mortimer's in this one. Emily and... Mortimer, which, fun fact, um, uh, we'll talk about the, the, the ghost, fe- ghost face reveal later, but uh, um, she was supposed to be, to my knowledge, the second ghost face in this movie, but uh, mm-hmm. that got changed, and I think after the fact. So, um, unfortunately, as cool as I think that as that would have been, she did not end up being a ghost face, which stings because I think the the motivation of the ghost face we are left with is kind of weak. Yes, and yes. as far as I, I, again, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the latest one, but I think all of the other ghost face like reveals and like explanations have been at least uh, interesting or wildly entertaining. See Scream yes. 2 for wildly entertaining. <laughs> Wait to the trial! <laughs> and of course, you know, you have, you know, Matthew Lillard in the first one. Stu, 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 what's your motive? Peer pressure. <laughs> Far too sensitive. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> you fucking hit me with the phone, dick! <laughs> are you really gonna call the police my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me iconic and like um you know it's all like interesting or whatever especially when we get to the next one and then this one and nothing against the act um who plays this is oh so get into spoilers yeah Yeah, well obviously face reveal Yes. Um, so, like, so, essentially, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, essentially, the plot, just so we can kind of explain things, the plot of this one is that um, where we're seeing our characters after everything that happened at Windsor College, and the second one is um, Sydney is in isolation, essentially working as a uh, women's crisis uh, voice counselor on the phone, and so she's hidden away dewey and gail gail is uh just doing press stuff like doing tours and doing stuff about her book you know just kind of existing um and then she hears that someone was killed in connection to the filmmaking of stab three which you know again is the third movie so and if you don't remember from the last movie stab is the the film franchise within the scream series that essentially is saying like after Gail wrote the book about the first um, movie, it got adapted into a film and then it got turned into a whole series. And so at this point, we're at the third Stab movie being made. And uh, a lot of the supporting cast are actors who are playing versions of our core characters. So like Parker Posey's Jennifer is playing uh, Gail, the movie version mm-hmm. of Gail. Um <laughs> Emily Mortimer uh, is replacing Tori Spelling uh, and playing uh, Sydney Prescott in the in uh, Stab Three, and then a few other new characters here and there. And the film is being directed by a guy named Roman Bridger, who just uh, who Joey called Justin Thoreau from Mulholland Drive the whole time, which was funny. And oh my God, as I look at the picture of Scott Foley, um, who's the actor <laughs> who plays I'm Roman. Like, it, 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 it plays Roman. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm going to show this to you because you need to see this real quick, guys. I mean, I've I know his face. 
but, but look at that. Like, right there. <laughs> it's a little like, Justin Theroux-y. I'm like, wait a minute. I just saw him in an interview in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> oh, Scott Foley. The only other thing um, I know him from is, is Felicity. Mm, okay. Which, I know he's in that, but I think he's... I could be wrong. Anyway, um, so... A lot of the people, a lot of the actors are getting killed, um, and it's revealed through the course of the mystery and the and and the film that our killer, our ghost face this time around, is none other than Justin Thoreau. <laughs> the actual no. Justin Thoreau shows up. It's so <laughs> wild. It's like holy shit, but it's very convoluted. Like at no point was I hinted that he would be showing up in this movie. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's it's Scott Foley's uh, Robin Bridger, and what already makes it weird when it happens is that at no point did Sydney ever talk to him <laughs> beforehand. Yeah, it just let alone like... even know who he is, and he had to introduce himself. <laughs> and he's the only uh, Ghostface who w- went solo, so there's yep. no second Ghostface. It's just Roman, but it's also revealed. That Roman Bridger is actually Sidney Prescott's uh, half brother through yeah. through her mom, which let's backtrack a second. <laughs> well, because um, there's a whole thing where you know um, we find out through a series of events that Sidney's mom, Maureen uh, Prescott, Maureen had a had a st- a little stint in Hollywood as like a small bit. Um, actress who was in a couple movies and you know like she was actually she went under she was rena reynolds that was her stage name yeah that was her name um and uh, you know also because uh uh, trigger warning let's throw that out there yeah given the content given the she didn't follow the rules the the supposed rules of hollywood quote um like you know uh think about like parties you're a young ingenue type in hollywood mm-hmm. and you know i don't want to get much further than that but it's it basically so there's a character again without going too much into it i will i will mention one other thing later but uh sure. there's a character that lance hendrickson plays in the film named john milton who's like a who plays like a major horror producer and he's like the producer on all the stab movies Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out that he was he was known for his wild parties in the seventies, mm-hmm. and during those parties, uh, he would invite young ingenue actor actresses back to his house, and you know one thing would lead to another, not by their choice, and that would be the determining factor on whether or not the young ingenue would get a part in one of his movies, or you know what, and that's sort of something that happens throughout the movie as well you hear about like you know relationships that some of the other actors had and like emily mortimer's character reveals that she was one of the unfortunate souls that you know had to do something just so she can be sydney in the stab movies which is incredibly unfortunate um yeah and so basically uh roman um knew rena reynolds but he didn't know Maureen Prescott or Maureen Roberts as she was originally named. And so, uh, you know, obviously 
Maureen had a child with somebody else and he wanted to meet his mom and try to be with her, but she was already Maureen Prescott at the time because she had already moved to Woodsboro. She got a new life, new husband. And then that's when Roman decided he was going to get revenge. And so what had happened was um, uh, Roman had found out about uh, his half-sister's boyfriend, Billy's father, (laughs) it's a lot of chains, um, sleeping with Sydney's mom, with Roman's mom, and he used that to essentially show to Billy that, hey, guess what? Uh, I just found out your dad and my mom are sleeping together. And that, according to this film, set is what set basically everything that happened in this whole franchise in motion. So, As Randy said, basically, as, as he was ba- explaining the rules <laughs> of the third movie in a recorded uh, statement by him. In a post-mortem... <laughs> like video will sort of situation <laughs> which i when that when that scene was coming up and i know joey's like a, kind of annoyed with randy so i'm like oh god first cotton's dead now randy's coming back <laughs> he, he was utilized well and it, he was. it was I'm, I'm glad he was like back for it because it's like it's randy you know yeah. listen. I, I liked the karen kolchek <laughs> bit where he's like i slept with karen kolchek at the video store karen kolchek yes karen kolchek Creepy Karen? Shut up! <laughs> She's a sweet woman, okay? But, yeah, it's like... It really is just like that third... It's like oh, making fun of third movies, and it's like it's a third it, movie. It's, it's it's not like... really convoluted, and it's sort of weird. I, I, but I do love where it basically becomes Abbott Costello, and they're chasing everybody around the, man, the big mansion. <laughs> yes. And that, that's really fun. Then there's a voice changer. And this... Yes. I was very interested by because I'm thinking about like AI today. AI is huge today with art, with voices. I mean, think about the tech that they use for like the Star Wars shows to bring mm-hmm. like Mark Hamill and James Earl Jones's voices back. And then, and I'd, I'd like to just to throw this into the mix um, for like TikToks, they had Roger L. Jackson do his Ghostface voice so that people can implement like the Ghostface voice towards like stuff that they post on TikTok which is mm. still so weird. To see. Like, I see videos post on YouTube periodically, and it's just, like, like uh, voice reading text, and it's Roger L. Jackson's voice, and I'm like, it sounds like Siri, like, in its in its rhythm, but it's Roger L. Jackson's ghost face, and it's weird. <laughs> and it's one of those things where I'm like, that would have been, that could have been a really interesting angle for, like, um, for, like, a, like a Scream sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I felt like it was like 20 years early, like 20 some odd years <laughs> early. Um, it's just like a really cool, like movie tech, like thing that's used. It's kind of fun used, funly used. That's not a weird word. That's not a word, but yeah, it's, it's used in a fun way, I guess. Where like, yeah, characters would get phone calls, but you can't trust if it's Ghostface or not because it could be. The voice changer, yeah. and so I thought that was kind of fun. It is, it is wildly unbelievable, but I just don't care because I'm like, this oh, like is cool. that, like yeah, that doesn't matter. I just think it was an interest. It's an interesting um, thing to note. Um, there are a couple cameos I'd like to bring up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Fisher, 
amazing. <laughs> but it's but it's not Carrie Fisher though. It's another Carrie actor. Fisher not playing Carrie. Fisher. It's playing a woman who d- did not sleep with George Lucas. And <laughs> like, did not become Princess Leia. I could have had Princess Leia, but who gets it? The one who sleeps with George Lucas. And only Carrie Fisher would be, would be okay with saying that. Yes. Uh, uh, Roger Corman. Uh, Roger I Corman. I I, you did. You did. Um, and he's he's appeared on our show as a, as a director. You know, um, we did uh, Mask of the Red Death. Mm-hmm. You know, um, second time on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, different capacity, but still welcome. And then um, Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> On their first appearance on our program ever, <laughs> the funny, the funniest thing about that too is that um, I didn't even think of that till you brought it up. Like, wow, this is the first time Kevin Smith's ever officially been on our show. Like, yeah, and then and then because of that, so like the little story I guess here is that um, if you remember uh, around the same time Kevin Smith was making. Also for Miramax, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which oddly enough was also my first View Askew movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so HBO gave me avenues into two separate things that I would watch. Um, but uh, with, uh, with that, um, there's a scene in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where they have to go to Miramax to stop the Black Man and Chronic movie from being made as part of that's the whole plot of the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And... Um, at one point, they're like going through different uh, back lots, like similar to Pee Wee, where he goes through all the things and Godzilla shows up and Santa shows up. Um, in this instance, there's a there's a really iconic scene, I guess you could say, where they run into Goodwill Hunting Two, where it's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they run into uh, a couple other things, but they also run into uh, Wes Craven directing a Scream movie with Shannon Doherty. Um, who obviously worked with Kevin Smith on uh, Mallrats, I believe. And right. um, it's the scene that they're filming is the reveal scene, and she takes the mask off, and it's a, an orangutan, which is the monkey that, which is the ape that uh, Jay and Silent Bob become best friends with throughout the movie. <laughs> and so, and so, and so Shannon Doherty's like, fucking Miramax. <laughs> it's like, a monkey, Wes? Really? market research said people love monkeys <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob break in and they're like we love this monkey <laughs> see. <laughs> see it was cool to see Wes Craven in that bit but because he did that for them he, he was like oh what if you guys cameoed in, in Scream 3 since I'm filming it literally in the same spot right. and so um, there's a scene when you see a, a tour happening after Gail's leaving the Stab 3 set and it's, you just see them walking in, and it's just Jason Mewes going, Oh my god, Silent, holy shit, Silent Bob, it's that reporter, Connie fucking Chong! Hey, Connie, how's Maury? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, so, official View Askew movie, Scream 3. <laughs> yeah, why not? So I'm why just not? waiting for Ke- Jay and Silent Bob to show up in 7, that's all I'm saying. Ugh. Um, but I don't really think there's much else to talk about. It's, it's, I mean, it, it, again, you know, it's, it is one of those movies that it has things worth talking about. Like, you know, some of the goofiness. I know you were a big fan of, I love the goofiness. Like I love the scene when, 
uh, Ghostface throws the knife at Dewey's head. <laughs> and that's a great moment. I'll, I I clap every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it sort of, it it's again, it's not a bad movie. I think it's the, the, the thing to ultimately say about it. At least, at least I, I would say we don't think it's a bad movie. It's just definitely no. when you have these movies that are like sharp as hell and are as much a satire as they are a sequel. And yet this time around, it just feels like it, it just feels like it's like you were saying, and like I, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's being restrained for a million different reasons. And so it just, it kind of feels lackluster in that regard, but it is, it is still a very fun movie. And because of the whole producer angle, which again, it's, it's going to be always a crazy thought to think that Wes Craven had a whole subplot where movie producers are taking advantage of people in a film produced by Harvey fucking Weinstein. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Like... Like I, I was telling, I was, I was telling this to Wikey, and I think I said this to you as well. It's just um, Wes Craven's having a meeting with the Weinstein's, and they're like, "Listen, Wes, you got to pull back on the violence. We can't, we can't make this movie more violent." And he's like, "Why? Like, we're not affecting anybody." He's like, "Wes, come on, come on." And he's like, "All right, fine. I have another story I want to tell. <laughs> what do you think this one's going to be about?" And then, and Harvey and Bob are just so busy doing all this other shit. And, you know, produce other movies that they probably just didn't even clock. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it sucks when it, when it's like that relevant. Um, so, yeah, but it, it, there's a lot of stuff that to enjoy about it. It's just, it's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Were you, were you at all? Um, surprised at how you felt about it at the end of it, or were you just kind of no. like, yeah, that's about what I expected? No, because again, like you know, the, the reputation of this movie is just like, yeah, it's it's the not great one, mm-hmm. but it's got some fun things in it, and that's basically what I came away from this one. It's it's not great, but it's got fun things. I had a, I would watch it again if I was doing like a scream. Mar- like it's not like it's not like with some franchises where I skip over installments mm-hmm. and just do the ones I like or the ones I feel the most relevant. This not one, like the I, X-Men I franchise. <laughs> oh, the X-Men. X-Men, listen, I I, I haven't watched those in forever. Neither have I. Ever. I don't uh, know. X, X-Men in like 2011, I guess. <laughs> when, when we were stupid. It's like, oof. But I'm thinking like, um, yeah, like it, it makes me think of like the Rocky franchise where oh. Rocky is is oddly one of the most consistent like there's only one truly bad rocky movie and that's rocky five everything i think i remember you telling me that everything else is at least entertaining not everything is like best picture nominee caliber rocky and not everything's (laughs) creed but it's at least entertaining and fun you know and that's that's what this franchise i think delivers like does it always reach the heights of the first movie, no, but I like these characters. I have a good time, and um, just, listen, I'm just I, I, look. We, we want to talk about the next one, so we're gonna take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not. We're done talking about the third I'm one. I'm also but thinking we like about it. my e- my editing brain. I'm like, listen, like 
I don't want. Well, at least to we're at least we're we're we're, uh, we're under forty still. So if you wrap it up now, we can make it. I, I think uh, yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about screen four <laughs> next. Um, uh, give us a second. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm just gonna hold for a second. No, I'm kidding. Again, welcome back once more to Two Dudes One Double Feature. In our last two segments, we talked about Scream Two, and we talked about Scream Three, sort of. <laughs> we talked about it, you know. But now we are talking about not just, um, at least for a while, it was considered the final entry in the series. But this is the last movie ever directed by. The legend himself, Wes Craven. So I really want to give him his due on this one, um, and and you know show respect. So we're gonna go all out. Um, but I'm also just excited because now, except for this newest one that's in theaters, Joey's officially caught up with these movies. It's so exciting. Joe Dinny Dan, my good friend. Mm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can read your mind. Uh, <laughs> what is it? You're just my good friend? I don't remember saying good friend. <laughs> I see how it is. Um, Joe Diddy Dan, the other guy <laughs> that's in this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's better. What film <laughs> are we talking about tonight? We are talking about... The Vengeance of the Lemon Squares. We are talking about uh, uh, the, the, the precursor of TikTok-obsessed culture. All right? We are talking about... <laughs> I like how it went from screams to, like, screeches. <laughs> Scream... For, or should I, it should really be called, listen, we're, gi- we're giving this the, the highest honor, the fan four stick treatment, Scriform. Scriform. <laughs> Scriform. <laughs> Scriform. <laughs> I do, I do like how it, it says that, like, on, even on, like, the covers. Scriform. Scriform. So, in Scriform. <laughs> oh, Scriform. Gotta love a good Scriform. Um... You know, so this movie, um, it like again with the other ones I knew I knew about like the reputation and stuff. You know, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. oh, this is the last one, and from everything that I heard, it was like okay, this was a, a wonder because you don't always get to end your end your career like end like your run with like a strong move. It doesn't always happen. No. And I'm I'm glad Wes got that. I'm really mm-hmm. happy that like if it had to end, it ended like this. Like just an inc- what it what a movie, honestly. Like what what a movie in this franchise. And like four mo- like f- four movies in, <laughs> it's really good. 
He still got it. What? Even though without cotton, it's still able to overcome that gigantic, even with a character like Trevor, it is able to overcome so much. It achieved so much with the existence of Trevor, without the existence of cotton, not even a mention of cotton even. No one's even watching reruns of 100% Cotton, his TV show we didn't mention from the last one. I, you know what that is? 100% bullshit. But anyway. <laughs> they were like, listen, he's dead. We don't want to deal with it. In, in all seriousness, what, what I found really fascinating, because like Scream 4 made me think of the fifth one, because it's like, they're both like legacy sequels. <laughs> <laughs> when you really, when you, when you really come right down to it, they're they're like they're le- they are the legacy sequel, and this was kind of early on, for like they didn't really have that t- quite that term yet. It was it was we were kind of building towards it, but it was still like because this movie like it's it's got the legacy sequel thing, but it really is like focusing on like remakes specifically in that horror movies, especially at that time, like every horror movie. As Kirby famously says in that one yes, scene, that's the, like yep. e- every horror movie has a remake, mm-hmm. except for Scream. This is the remake that Scream would have, I guess you could say. But you know, but again, it's it's within because it's it's within the continuity. It's, yeah, so you know, it's an, basically a legacy sequel. It's basically a legacy. We have a new generation. You know, it, it's it's just incredible in that, and because Tron Legacy was 2010. When you really think of, and that that's the other legacy sequel i can really think of you know so i i think that was like one of the things that really st- stuck out to me because like it's this was what 2011 2011 2011 fun fact not to not to cut you off not to break your no, train no. of thought but um this was the first and for a while the only scream movie i ever saw in theaters because the first one came out when i was little little so i was too young to see it second one kind of the same deal third one was already on HBO when I saw it, so it was already had its theater, its theatrical run. And so, obviously, when they announced they were doing a fourth movie, I was like, I gotta be there. I gotta be there for it. I'm so excited. I was in college, and I had a friend who was a big horror fan, and um, we were, we would talk endlessly, like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see this movie. Um, and you know, it was exciting because Kevin Williamson is back writing the screenplay. Um, it was exciting because you know, again, Wes Craven is, is still making them, and and it's in retrospect, it's it's a movie that holds a special place in my heart because you know I'm a big Wes Craven fan, and it is unfortunately the last movie he would direct because you know sometime later uh, he would unfortunately pass away, um, and so he didn't get to make anything else. And before that, he had a movie I think it was called My Soul to Take, which I haven't seen. But it doesn't have the strongest reviews, and it didn't really do out the box office, so I'm glad that he got to make this movie, at least, so he can have that sort of strong ending to his film career. And again, it doesn't matter, you know, he was happy with the movie that he made um, before he did Scream 4, um, so at least there's that, but, you know, I'm happy that he, he got to make one more successful entry in the franchise with all the people he loves to make the movies with. So I think mm-hmm. all all three of them, Nev Campbell... David Arquette and Courtney Cox are all like, if the moment Wes called and said, hey, we're doing another scream, they're like, obviously, I'm here. Like, there's no right. question, I'm coming. You know, thinking about it, like, because it, it was like a good, I think it was it was a logical, like, continuation with things, like, 
you know, mm-hmm. you have David Arquette's back in 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 Wordsboro. Um, literally, David Arquette, not um, <laughs> <laughs> David Arquette. You keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yes, um, but you you know, it's it's him him and um, and Gail and Gail's trying to write. Which made you think of the writer's block shit in BoJack Horseman. <laughs> Which, as long as if it always comes back to BoJack Horseman, I I think that's a win. So it's generally because I think highly of that show. So, yes. so I, I was thinking about what he goes. He's trying to write his um his his like autobiography or his memoir, and he's trying to do it without a ghostwriter. So he goes chapter one, chapter. It's like the clock's ticking. What? It's just like I have no fucking i no fucking idea what to write. So you know, there's a little little strained there. There's also Judy, Judy Hicks with her lemon squares. Their lemon squares, and apparently, now now I don't want to be spreading any malicious rumors, but according <laughs> to some reliable sources, they taste like ass. And listen, a reporter said it too, so. <laughs> They got their sources. They, they, they only get the they only go to the hard facts by actually eating the lemon squares. Only the hard facts. So you know, Dewey's like, was it? He's the sheriff now. He's the sheriff um, of Woodsboro now. He he is the the guy. Um, also, Sydney returns to Woodsboro because she wrote a book, Out of Darkness. Um, which you know, hey, she has a lot of experience and she wants to write the book to help people. Nothing but power to her. Uh, that's also made me think of one of my favorite things in the in the last one. I, I forgot to mention in Scream. I like that she was like a crisis. Um, yeah, the women's counselor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. But anyway, so, so no, yeah, yeah. I want no, you no, to no, explain no. it because, <laughs> well, <laughs> shit happens. All right. So this is, <laughs> you know, uh, like the the you know, Ghostface obviously still prevalent uh thing you know yeah at this point it shouldn't be noted that the the stab franchise with uh has now reached seven films Mm -hmm. um which begs the question how did they finish stab three did they get a did they have to get it because obviously the director killed the cast (laughs) so they have to like start from scratch i just want to know I want that explained. Not that it matters at all, but I, as as a, as a joke, I want it explained. Uh, David Zaslav's involved. In, um, I'm sure. Oh no! <laughs> it's got to listen. If Stab Three is not the worst entry, then <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but something is on on the note of the Stab movies because the, one of the iconic aspects of all these movies is the opening scene, and this movie has. One of my favorite openings to any movie ever. So I want to know what your thought uh, on how the whole opening was, was how it played out for you. Uh, it was definitely better than the last one because Cotton didn't die in this one. <laughs> Cotton did not die. So, so that's a bonus. Rogue I was, did, though. Uh, <laughs> Ro- Rogue did. Speaking of X-Men. <laughs> I was worried a little bit because I'm like, oh boy, is this going to get too... Is this going to get like... But... I think what helps, like, like especially when you have like uh, Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin in that um, the second bit, yeah, and like Kristen Bell's just really like, like <laughs> she's just like annoying. into it. She's <laughs> like, God, shut up, <laughs> Rogue, shut up. Oh man, Veronica Mars. <laughs> Do you want to watch some stab movies? 
a long time ago, we used to be friends. But I haven't thought of you lately at all. No, no, no. I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'll, I'll probably cut it off at a certain point. I do like. I like that season one of that show. It, I, I do like. I watch it from time to time. I do like that show. I, I've heard good things about Veronica Mars, which made me think of Nancy Drew. Which Nancy oh, Drew wait, is also wait. in this. <laughs> what? Hold okay. on. We gotta wait for Whoa! We're still talking Andy's about the opening mom? scene. <laughs> Andy's mom. But anyway, so <laughs> I because like I remember seeing the opening scene of this movie, and. Because, like, we get the whole opening bit, and then you get two people killed already, and it's like, what? And then it says, stab six. And then you get... Because I, I also remember, because at the time, Anna Paquin was getting really big because she was on True Blood on HBO. Right. And so... And then, obviously, Veronica Mars for Kristen Bell, and, you know, all the other stuff that they both were doing. And I remember there being, like, a huge thing on Facebook, like, guess who's going to be in the new Scream movie? Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell. And they're like, what? And they showed, like, a still of them just sitting on a couch... And they show up, and I'm like, what? They were just watching a stab movie? And then it turns out they're in a stab movie because she's like, Anna Pack would just get really annoying, and then she just stabs her in the stomach. And and I just love, she goes, now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. And I'm like, yeah! What a great, like, what a great, like, sh- uh, thing to start a movie off instead of like you know turn your si- silence your cell phones just have <laughs> Kristen Bell stab someone going shut the fuck up and watch the movie uh, yeah that's uh but also too because that that's that right there was more brutal than anything just about anything that had happened in in the last one again not to dog on Scream Three but I think it's important to note that contrast like this yeah. one like the other one was handcuffed uh this one was let off the leash. This one was was unchained, let off the leash. This one was Django, Superman, <laughs> um, anything else that's unchained. Uh, <laughs> it was not chained. Right. Because, because it's like, again, you got Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson going, listen, if we're going to do another one of these, we need to fix what we couldn't do the last time. Anna Paquin. And Kristen Bell, opening scene. And then we cut after that <laughs> moment to the actual opening of the movie, uh, starring Britt Robertson from Tomorrow from Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. who is killed. And then um, uh, the other, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know who she is, but uh, she we'll, is we'll also... We'll plug it in. Plug it in. Um, hold on, let me look it up. Just, I want to be fair. <laughs> Um, her first name spelled right. Amy T Garden. Amy Amy T Garden. It's like A I M E E. Sure, it's, an in- it's interesting spelling. I like it. All right. So Amy T Garden. Uh, so they get killed, and what I like about um Ghostface in this movie, speaking of this particular moment, is the way that Kevin Williamson just went, I'm gonna write some of the best dialogue I've ever written for Ghostface for this movie. Mm-hmm. So like we're gonna have actual conversations with Ghostface and whoever he's calling. And so like cause you you mentioned later on as we were watching it that he seems like a supervillain now. Like not even just like oh obviously because like the way he's talking, but I also think about the physicality because one of my favorite things about Ghostface in the other movies, he's a fucking goofball. <laughs> he's clumsy as hell. Like like it really makes me think of like like it's like Kylo Ren where it's like, oh man, it's like he's do done some serious shit. 
but also is just kind of silly. He's like basically a petulant child. Yeah. In a lot of, but this one, I was like, it was probably the scariest I felt Ghostface has been from the Scream movies that I have seen thus far because it didn't seem like he was making many mistakes. Um, they were making many mistakes, um, really. And like, like I like I think of the scene with the one friend Olivia, and like that was probably the most brutal kill. Oh the whole movie. God, yeah, that was oof. So like like she's she's gutted essentially to not to get too mm. graphic about it, but you see organs, and yeah. she's stabbed in the hand at one point, which uh, does happen again in five with uh, Jenna Ortega, if you remember. Cause yes, it's like ah! um. But in the way it's shot here, it almost feels more brutal in a way because like there's no emphasis on it. It's just literally just her trying to like defend herself, and then he just goes, Whoosh-er! yeah. And uh, and then there's like there's a bit where Anthony Anderson plays one of the cops. He gets stabbed in the head. Oh, that was oh that was so hard to watch. That was <laughs> and he he like gets out of the car and he's like swinging trying to find him. And then he says one of the one of the mo- one of my favorite lines in the movie, though it's also like you know it feels different now given you know recent events. Uh, fuck Bruce Willis. Um, fuck Bruce Willis. But which, within context, you, 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 like, go ahead, go ahead. The ca- go ahead like me play. really means like the characters Bruce Willis plays who makes it out. <laughs> yeah, like out, like makes it out. John Mc- John McClane doesn't really ever die, except yeah. in horror movies, cops tend to die. So <laughs> yes, fuck Bruce Willis. In context, but there's also within all, all of this too that you have we have new teenagers, you know, the remake versions, if you will. Yes, um, they're so sort of. You got Nancy yeah. Drew, as you were Nancy, saying, a- a- Emma Roberts, um, as uh, what's her character? Is it G- Jill? Jill Roberts. Jill, Jill Roberts. Okay, so she keeps her last name. Basically, she is Sydney's cousin. Um, through uh. Sydney's mom, Sydney's mom's side of the family, because again, Maureen Roberts, yeah, and Kate Roberts is her sister, who's in this film, and then Kate Roberts has a daughter, Jill, mm-hmm. right? So it's so it's Sydney's cousin, um, and so that, which feels relevant, because wait, so because obviously Emma Roberts is is you know her fa- her father's Eric Roberts, who's appeared on our show, um, but then is Eric Roberts' sister is Julia Roberts, right, or is it his cousin? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Neither am I, but I know they're related. Yeah. Um, but uh, then you have um, one of the Culkins, Rory Culkin, I believe. Yes. Um, who plays Charlie Walker in the film? Um, and then there's um, Robbie Mercer, who's Charlie's best friend, who is the the webcam guy. Which, I, it, uh, funny enough, I never think I I don't think I've ever seen someone with like that kind of set like. It's not like a huge rig that he has for his webcams. He just has a little camera on the side of his head. But I feel like the only time I've ever seen something like that is when we were at Disney. <laughs> just seeing like Disney vloggers, yeah, with like their whole gear set up to record their Disney trips. Mm-hmm. Um, but he records like his whole high school experience. Um, like he even has it on in class, which surprises me. I'm surprised like a teacher wouldn't have been like, "Hey, take it off your head." <laughs> this this is a franch this is a franchise with a voice changer that does anything it is basically magic yeah exactly <laughs> though it's funny there is a teacher in this movie that goes cell phones anything with an off switch should be set to off <clears throat> and the one scene that that you were like 
annoyed by because you have a thing or whatever oh you're just like when when everybody i guess i just haven't had many experiences with this where it's like every, even like amber alerts like everybody gets mm. something at once it's just like a weird i don't know i never feel like it does i will say like because when you brought that up i did mention like you know remembering i remember having like like amber alert situations where all the iphones go off at once but even then it doesn't happen all the time that that and i'm like if your phone is off which again they should if it's it should be in the off position in certain um certain instances. teenagers aren't listening to their teens. no they're not they're not um but you know but i but i understand i understand your your what you it's, your, where you're it's coming really from a stupid I guess. like nitpick really i'm a goofball <laughs> let's keep this in mind I mean, i'm a silly boy <laughs> you you are the dewey of the two of us for sure so you swear a lot more than he does. Yes, uh, he gets he gets a few swears this time uh, as opposed to the last few movies. I don't think he swears all that much, but he gets to swear a couple of times this, in this one. Yeah, it, it's it's this one. This one also really feels like it ramps it up too because it feels like there's instances where like it's like, oh, did Sydney do this? Like, or at least mm-hmm. we know she didn't, but it's like other characters are like, oh, uh oh, because they call her the Angel of Death. Yes throughout the movie because like because that's i think that's a big thing too is that like the next generation especially when there's movies based around the tragedy they're just it's nothing to them you know like you brought up 9-11 like when we were kids 9-11 happened but you know for younger kids that are just reading about it in textbooks it's just history yeah or a movie that they saw yep like titanic Yes. You know, Titanic, you know, was a tragic event that happened years ago. We mentioned this in the Titanic episode, but because it's a hit movie made by uh, someone we love, um, we think of that more than we think of the tragedy. Yes. And so we're like, every time anyone mentions Titanic, we're like, oh, Jack and Rose. So like in this instance, you know, you have characters or Celine Dion. Exactly. Um, and so in this instance, in this film, you have characters going, Sydney Prescott, I love you so much. I'm a big fan. Um, or like the cinema club scene when they're like, what if Sydney talks at cinema club? That'd be a, that'd be a big deal for us. Right. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, Hey, let's, you know, leave her alone. <laughs> let her that just m- like, that makes me think when my, my school had uh, Lorraine Warren come in. Oh, was that around when the Conjuring movies came it out? It was a couple years after the first one, I think. Yeah, mm. you know that was uh, that was interesting, but yeah, I mean, again, it's like it's one thing to have because like, they brought up like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis or whatever, but Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, ha- did not go through. <laughs> Michael Myers is not a real person. <laughs> In this context, Ghostface is a real person, sadly. Um. Oh, speaking of new characters, freaking Kirby. Yes. Hayden Panettiere. Fantastic. Uh, who's probably uh, by far my favorite of, of like the, the sort of quote unquote remake characters. Because mm. uh, she's she's so funny. She's witty. She's charming as hell. Yes. She really sells the role. And thankfully, because there is a there's a part in the movie where it, we are told she's dead. But she actually thankfully survives because she shows up in the sixth one. Um, and also incredible in the sixth one and she's and uh, she's also the i like that there isn't just one movie nerd in this one yeah like because typically it's just randy who's the movie nerd and then everyone else is like a casual fan or just doesn't watch horror movies like sydney i remember in the first one going yeah i don't watch that shit (laughs) yeah um 
but then in this time we got like charlie's a movie nerd uh robbie's a movie nerd um even freaking trevor joey's favorite character <laughs> don't spread those like, malicious like, rumors even about he- me <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to be spreading misinformation. The guy who plays Trevor is fine. It's just like, the running gag. I'm like, who is this guy? What is this? (laughs) The the character turned into like the, to to quote, to reference Family Guy, he's the Meg. Shut up, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Trevor. (laughs) That was almost my letterbox review. He was like, what are you doing here, Trevor? I'm like, yeah, what are you doing here? I did like the review you posted uh, uh, eventually, but that would have been funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, and then uh, then you have, you know, like I said, Charlie and, and Robbie. Then you have Kirby. Kirby's also a huge horror movie fan. Yeah. And so so I like that um, she's sort of like the the nerd as well amongst this, this group of people. I like that she can't drive. <laughs> like like what a weird character thing that she just like dry like she literally speeds past Dewey when we first meet her and he does the you know under 25 stay alive yes <laughs> or like i like she has a lot of great one-liners too like i like when she goes is is that bad does that mean i'm not gonna live as long as these two <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she flirts with charlie which uh ends up being a bad choice um, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. but, um, so, you know, let's get to the reveal part because, yes. cause that's always the, that's always one of the fun things about these movies is trying to figure out before we actually say who is Ghostface this time. I, we didn't really, I, I kind of want to do something a little bit different. We, we sort of did something like this, I believe with, when we talked about Scream 2, but what, who, who was your, what was your theory? that you had going for this one as to who Ghostface was. It would almost be, uh, cause I thought it was, I thought, it was, I thought it was Nancy Drew. Like, <laughs> cause like the way she was like talking throughout, like there were parts where she disappear and I'm just like, Hmm. Hmm. Um, you know, and that did was, you think it was a Bonnie and Clyde thing? Maybe it could have been. Yeah. That's what uh, my other, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. But I definitely was like Nancy Drew, <laughs> <laughs> which I I, I I will say is a very different experience for me because like I but then again I don't think I like as as much fun as it is to try to figure out who the ghost face was like I think the first time I ever watched this I was so shocked because because you don't because like you don't expect it to be the the quote unquote Sydney of the movie right but that's that's but that's what's so great about it is that it is the Sydney of this movie, which, uh, was Jill, but you know, you get sort of that. I was admittedly sort of disappointed at first. Cause I was like, why has it got to be Charlie? Cause like, why has it got to be the nerd? Mm-hmm. Cause like, it feels too obvious. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Charlie is the first ghost face. And so when he stabs, um, uh, Kirby, you're like, oh, really? So I was admittedly sort of like bummed out by that. But then I was like, Okay, who's going to be the second ghost face, or who's like what? What's like, going on? Is there even a second ghost face? And then um, obviously it's revealed later that it's Jill, and I was like, oh, "What?" But then I loved like the reason, <laughs> and then I loved that she got to sort of finish it, which no ghost face has ever got to finish it, yeah, essentially because Sydney stops them. Um, 
But uh, basically, it turns out that Jill and Randy are basically staging their own remake of Stab. And so in order to do that, uh, they have to set it up so that um, Trevor is the new stew. And then Randy, a.k.a. Charlie, and Sydney, a.k.a. Jill, are the sole survivors. Mm-hmm. But it, But then it turns out that Jill double crosses Charlie, and Charlie is the Billy, quote-unquote, of Jill's story, and Jill is the sole survivor. Um, and basically her whole motivation behind it is that she is sick and tired of being the relative of a celebrity. Yeah. Which, again, is so funny that, and I'm pretty sure that was the thought process <laughs> by Wes Craven and everybody, like, she's related to Julia Roberts. How funny is this? <laughs> and it just makes it that better, that much better. I remember, like, watching it again not long ago, and I messaged Waiki, uh, and I was like, do you think she, do you think she ever, like, gets mad at Julia? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, freaking Aaron, Aaron Brockovich, I hate it so much. God damn it. <laughs> It's always mentioned, Aaron Brockovich. I don't know why I'm going with that. My best friend's wedding. Or, um, pretty woman. Jesus Christ, I get it. She's walking <laughs> down the street. The kind I'd like to meet. <laughs> exactly. No one could look as good as you. Mercy. But no, um... <laughs> Mercy. Um, but yeah, so the cool thing about the ghost face reveal is, like I said, that Jill gets to essentially finish it. So she kills Trevor. Though this is okay. Can I talk? I want to bring. I want to bring this up because I thought this was kind of funny. I'm sorry. Uh, so obviously we had the the run on, run on joke that Trevor's stupid, <laughs> and so <laughs> so um, Jill brings out um, Trevor from the closet. Uh, and he's got tape on his mouth, and he's bound up. And uh, she's essentially setting him up so he's being framed as being one of the ghost faces, even though he didn't do anything other than annoy Joey. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> and so she starts kicking him, and Joey's going, "Yeah, kick him, <laughs> kick him." <laughs> and then, and then, and then, because like, and he's also said earlier, like, "I hope he, I hope, I hope Trevor gets killed." And then. <laughs> And then at one point, Jill shoots him in the dick for cheating on her. And at that point, that's when Joey gets quiet. <laughs> and then he gets shot in the head. And then I'm like, so after all that, <laughs> once he gets shot in the dick, that's when it gets real. <laughs> so it's like, it's not funny anymore. He got shot in the dick. Oh, this, is, this is where it stops. Um <laughs> well, I was also just like compelled, like because Emma Roberts is so good, like she's tremendous. Like I think that's really why I was just like, whoa, because I'm like, holy moly! Because like for the first part of it, I'm like, I, I don't think it's, I, I, I didn't think it was. Then as it went on, I'm like, it's gonna be her. It, she's gonna be yeah. something's gonna come up, and I'm like, she might be, she might be my favorite ghost face uh, that I've seen so far. Oh dang. Um. She's got like she's really over the top. She just such a drop. <laughs> she's wild. She just wants the attention, but is also just so just like oh, so fucked up. Oh my god! When... <laughs> so like 
when she goes full fight club and starts beating herself up oh my god <laughs> and that was and then you have a whole other thing at the hospital like because she sets it up where it's like you know it's like <laughs> yeah it's like like she it's she got to finish She's famous now. Everyone's like, Jill, Jill. She's getting pictures taken. She's getting exactly what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the little bit where she, after she's done kicking the shit out of herself and she's killed Charlie and, and Trevor, and then she uh, lays down next to Sydney, but she does like the exact same position yeah. and even like just to like add to the whole like, I am you now. Yeah. Like I'm taking everything from you now. But. Of course, Jill is dumb and doesn't actually kill Sydney outright. She just stabs her and thinks, I'm good now. Because they go to the hospital and Sydney's just in the ICU. She's still good. Um, and Jill, also being stupid, slips up and admits something that uh, <laughs> Dewey didn't catch. Because as we as we know, we love him. Dewey's a silly He's boy. He's just a little goofy. Dewey's, Dewey's just a silly boy. Yeah, He's not going mean, to catch on. Like, like Gail's the brains of the operation. She goes... How does she know where I got stabbed? (laughs) How did she know I got stabbed in the shoulder? Oh, shit! (laughs) And that whole, oh my god, and you know, the the, the gun, the bedpan, Judy is there. Uh, (laughs) Wear the vest, save your chest. Oh my god. (laughs) And then, and then, clear. (laughs) That's the rule with the, the remakes, don't fuck with the original. Great. Again, Nev Campbell icon it's it's up it's right up there with not in my movie yes it's honestly yeah like it's i feel like the book ends for this movie i mean a a lot of the middle stuff too is great like it's honestly i feel like you know when people talk about the screen movies you know the first one obviously classic the second one is so good the third one you know has its reputation then there's the fourth one i feel like doesn't get talked about near enough no yeah and it kind of bums me out because it's it's genuinely exciting and entertaining, and it has all the classic things that you love about Scream, um, and it also like changes it up a little bit. So like we get to see things with this one we don't normally get to see, like Ghostface quote unquote finishing the job. Yeah, and then I, I do like when Jill's like the movie's supposed to end at the house. This is just silly. <laughs> And we're all just like, yeah, Jill. <laughs> We've known this for, for many movies. <laughs> Dewey gets hit in the head, so of course it's silly. <laughs> with a bedpan. What did I get hit with? You don't want to know. <laughs> she was right behind me. <laughs> um, another thing that I thought we thought was funny was the barn that they wanted to have the stabathon <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, but, uh, just to kind of explain that, like, um, the the cinema club run by Charlie and Robbie, um, they do a stabathon every year where they show all seven stab movies in order. And so they never tell the location, so it's always like a secret like party get together thing. So they have Stabathon and it's at a barn, and my first thought was immediately This is set in California. This feels very Midwestern. <laughs> Not that there's no barns in California, it's just I don't think of barns in California, admittedly. Right. I mean, California is a big state. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, Allison could tell us outright. She, you know, she she lives there, um, and she had snow not long ago. I remember seeing, which is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um. So I hope I hope she's not having to deal with that anymore. On that note. Yeah. Um. But it also I was saying I was saying too it made me think of Halloween, where 
it's it's like was it Haddon, is it Haddonfield Illinois had Haddon Haddonfield Illinois which is yeah. funny because it's like there's Haddonfield New Jersey and then <laughs> they shoot these movies in California so it's like you know whatever wait, wait what's going on it's it's movie magic folks <laughs> exactly that's all that's all it is it's movie magic but so really to wrap up this whole this whole thing Joey this is what I want to ask you sure. what is now that you've watched all these films, the, the Wes Craven entries specifically, you did watch five, but we'll talk about that maybe later. But yeah. tell me about your experience overall with these movies and, and you know just your overall feeling after seeing all of them. Well, you know, sometimes like with sequels, you're like, okay, can this live up to the... Because the first one is such a remarkable, like important movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Have you watched the original since that episode? Yeah. Like on your mm-hmm. own? Yeah. I showed Mike, nice. um, and he, he enjoyed it. Uh, but again, like, the original also has a reputation for some people, for some horror fans, because they're, like, the meta elements they feel are a little too much, and mm. it's, like, yeah. he has maybe started some th- trends and continued some things that they didn't like, and there's there's various reasons. I don't, I don't want to speak for these people, but, you know, um, so then it's like, okay, well, how good are the other ones? You know, because they, they made a bunch of them in a short amount of time you know and Mm -hmm. it turns out spoiler alert pretty dang good and then you have this one which is is a nice uh nice conclusion to this 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 phase of the franchise era this era the west craven uh era really really a terrific um really a terrific movie um again scream four one amazing movie and it's definitely these are definitely movies i definitely want to pick up i don't have three and four on disc I would probably get them on disc at some point um, to own them. Mm-hmm. I would at this point, if if Paramount continues the trend because they've released the first and second ones on 4K, I would wait to see. Yeah, especially by the time six comes out, because I think it, I think the disc for six comes out probably around the summertime. I'd imagine. Yeah, because I already pre-ordered it at Best Buy. <laughs> but uh, um, Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, because they do have a Blu-ray box set of the uh, first three movies. I don't think the fourth one's in it, sadly, but they, I think they released it in time for when the fourth mo- fourth movie was coming out. I will say the fourth one on Blu-ray is very hard to find because I think Wikey was telling me that it, because I think this particular one's out of print, maybe, but I would double check on that on your own time. Mm, but uh, yeah. For a long time, Waikie didn't own this one. Shout out to Waikie, who's also a big Scream fan. Yes, <laughs> bring it up. I, I hope uh, I hope you enjoy this one, Waikie. Oh yeah, like de- I dedicate this as much to Wes Craven as I do to uh, Waikie, Alex Waikie, yep. good friend of the show. Yes. Um, do you, Do you have a favorite amongst the sequels? Would it be Would it be this one? I think it would be, fo- which is weird because two was so good. <laughs> like I really like two. <laughs> it's so. Cool. So would it be like one, two, four, then three? Maybe it'd be. One, four, two, three. As far as these ones go, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, once I re- revisit the fifth one and you know look at six and whatever they do, since I'll I'll you know reevaluate and all that. But um, yeah, right, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> this all, I just want to say, people, this is April third that we recorded the the second and third <laughs> portions of this episode on. <laughs> Um, so we're really getting a jump. The fun, the fun part is gonna listen, gonna be listening back to this, and just being like, "Man, hopefully nothing bad happens <laughs> within that time period." 
that makes us feel differently about any of this but yeah you know, knock on wood because mm-hmm. um, that's another thing because i was think that's another thing to think about because like i haven't seen creed 3 yet and i was so excited to watch it and then recent stuff happened and now i don't want to watch it yeah so i'm sorry michael b jordan i was actually really excited to see it uh, i might still watch it but uh just to see you as a director yeah but uh yeah uh, it does kind of suck, but hopefully, again, nothing. So, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But uh, thank you for uh, not that I not I, not that I feel like I needed to like indulge you or like pull your arm to be like Joe. I kind of did. <laughs> I kind of pulled your arm a little bit. But um, uh, I, I I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad we got to do this now, mm-hmm. especially because I think it it feels more relevant especially because it's still like floating in my brains i mean it wasn't that long ago i watched six um and i loved it and i'm excited to see what you think of six obviously you know we talked we watched five and you you enjoyed five so that's good yeah i thank you for indulging because this this franchise does mean a lot to me as far as like movie franchises this is definitely up there among my favorite it's one of the only film franchises where the moment I watch the first Scream movie, I have, have to, to watch, watch two, three, four. The other ones, yeah. I do know this about you. It's it's not like like other franchises. Like I feel comfortable enough to just sit and watch the 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 individual movies. Like I could watch like the Chucky movies, which we talked about, which we will talk about. But we it, in this timeline, we already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, like those ones, I could just watch the sequels and be fine. Like I could just watch one sequel or another and just two thumbs up. Call it a day. But with these, because you know the timeline feels like so fun, and like each movie is so entertaining, and I just and I love these characters like Dewey, Gale, Sydney. On that note, I'm gonna we're gonna spoil Scream Five here. Do you know how devastated you already know how devastated I was that Dewey dies in Five? So my question is, do you understand now? I I, I fully get I, I get it more. You know, um, I was upset when he got killed. In, in that one but like after seeing these i'm like man is he would is because he's like like obviously all three of them are like my favorite characters in like the whole series especially after two because two he has a very close call mm-hmm. yeah and if you hadn't seen five already it would have been like whoa yeah huh? mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then obviously in five it's like fuck yeah yeah, I'm trying to think, like, um, with, like, franchise, I think the only one that I do that with is, like, Planet of the Apes, whether it's either, the, like, the, the new mm-hmm. trilogy or, like, that makes sense. The, yeah. old, the old ones, because the old ones, the sequels are kind of just wild. <laughs> I'm kind of like that, I think, with the, the newer ones, with the 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 anti-circus movies, for sure. Yeah. That, I think, like, specific trilogies, I definitely like that. Like, Star I Wars. Think, like, Dark Knight trilogy, I'm kind of like that. For me, like, the original Star, original Wars. Star Wars, I watch, um... The original three, um, and then Indiana Jones. I don't do that. Surprisingly, though, like I don't do Honestly, that, that like, often, which is weird. because yeah. I love I love those. I love the first three, especially as far as Indiana Jones. I've watched Raiders a lot, and I've watched um, Last Crusade a lot. I've seen Temple of Doom maybe a handful of times. I almost rewatched it after Kihei Kwan won uh, deserved deservedly won uh the academy award and i was like i just want to i just want to see key as a little as a little kid just you know 
it's i mean i watched the goonies so that sort of filled that void maybe so that's probably why right yeah yeah yeah. i I didn't do that but um but no i'm kind of in that same boat but scream for me is very much that um and that was probably the most exciting thing was learning after we talked about the first movie with wikey that you loved it as much as you did and that made me so excited to to want to show the rest of them to you so like this this was a this was an important moment to me and i i thank you for uh coming along on the ride and having as as good a time as i was hoping you yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought this to the table as far as far as you know episodes are concerned and it's definitely one of those times where i'm glad that like we sometimes break the rules of our show and do like a triple feature or like a franchise mm-hmm. thing and i think with these i'm like i wouldn't want to talk about these with any other movies i think you got to talk oh. Talk about them. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to talk about it with me. Well, oh. you too. <laughs> you okay? No, yeah, I'm just like, really, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, of course, we'll talk about with you, of course. Um, oh, thank you. And, uh, I mean, like, like I said, let's, you know, like some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about this month is just like, we don't want to pair it with anything else. Like a lot of the stuff, there's almost. It's kind of funny. There's almost only one true like double, fe- like du- like distinct double feature pairing. But even then, it's still part of the same like franchise. Um, what would that be? Well, it's uh, Dracula Frankenstein because they're two. You know. Oh yeah. They're not really yeah. meant to yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. in the same universe at that point when they were making those movies, and then retroactively they sort of kind of became that way. Yeah. And then when we talk about. Um, a certain uh certain canine uh we're talking about two movies literally in the literally in the same franchise like one is a, a sequel <laughs> well this is one of the few times we're actually going to talk about a sequel follow how many times have we done that i don't think i cannot think of another time we've done that actually and not 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 often um not often i mean it's usually either just gigantic franchise like retrospectives you know what i got to say to that though zoinks <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> My mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. Raggy. Hello. Oh, Raggy, Raggy, Raggy. Why would you do this? That's terrible, Scooby. <laughs> Peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. See, that was that was sort of the the bummer thing because Freddie Prince Jr. and Linda Cardellini did not show up in this franchise, but. Kevin Williamson wrote another slasher film called I Know What You Did Last Summer, which Freddie Prince Jr. is in, though I don't think Linda Cardellini is in it. So <laughs> we'll have to figure out where Linda Cardellini lies because we need it. We do need it. We do need it. Uh, folks, what's your favorite uh, of these movies? Are you a big Scream fan? Do you, Are you like Richard where you watch, where you start one and you got to watch all of them kind of thing? You gotta, or, I got it's, it. Just you all, have to. All or just, nothing. All or nothing. Yep. Um, are you, uh, what's your favorite of, that? this is a weird question, uh, oddly enough, but w- which was your favorite ghost face? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, if it's Roman, okay. Out of these movies, <laughs> who would you say is your favorite ghost face? Not Roman. Uh, <laughs> again, um, Scott Foley's fine. Again, nothing against Scott Foley. Scott Foley's, you know, fine. I like, I do... I do like how he just complains the whole time. Someone's trying to kill my movie. Oh, but he, there is the line too. I forgot to mention where the the, the producer Lance Hendricks is like, "I'll give I'll give you final cut," and he is like, "I already have it." And he, yeah, awesome. He cuts. He slits his throat. Yeah. 
Um, amongst these, I mean, it's a tough call between Laurie Metcalf and Jill. Like, I I love the 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 sort of like the the pure like lunacy that's in Jill's eyes. Absolutely. And the fact that she goes full Fight Club and does an Edward Norton and just beats the shit out of herself um, is so wild. Um, but Laurie Metcalf, I think, is like it, it works. Like it shouldn't. And I know, and that one, I think a lot of people aren't massive fans of. And I know I've heard, you know, all a bunch of different opinions on it. But I have, I have a lot of fun with it. It makes sense chronologically, and Laurie Metcalf sells the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's again. I, I get with Laurie Metcalf what I would have hoped to get with Emily Mortimer had Emily Mortimer actually got to be Ghostface. So I love I love when uh, a die I, I think um, David Chen said this on Letterbox. I love that a Diane Sawyer interview is what hinges <laughs> the defeat of Ghostface in this movie. <laughs> She's like, she sent you to prison for a year. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa! But but no, uh, it's probably between those two. But I think I would lean a little bit more towards Laurie Metcalf, at least amongst these sequels. That's fair, but absolutely. Yeah, and 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 Timothy Oliphant is a great like stew follow up. He, he's a, he's a great <laughs> like like I'm not the as important ghost face. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Though oddly enough, I think Jill works great as both a Billy and Stu sort because like Charlie doesn't really fill that void because again right. he while he is the other ghost face it really is just jill yeah she's really the driving force yeah yeah so it's not even just that charlie it's not like a crazy one amongst the pair it's just charlie's the fall guy charlie was never like in the works to actually survive any of this or be a part of anything he was gonna die regardless and then it just was jill the whole time like i that's why i think anytime jill anytime Ghostface was articulating anything to to sydney on the phone and there's a lot of great phone calls in that in those scenes um i'm like that's jill on the phone yeah like charlie's not charlie's too awkward to have those kind of like elaborate. grand scheme like mm-hmm. elaborate conversations with sydney right um watch the teaser um but going back you, um that's gonna wrap actually yeah one more thing. i will say sorry yeah the best ghost face is roger l jackson yes yes that that cannot be questioned for sure. Freaking Mojo Jojo is the best ghost face of all time. <laughs> and I wanted to end it there. There you go. Uh, let's going to wrap it up for this episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone, and happy Halloween. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.